Is that too easy, Dingus? Just so great. Hello there. You are listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Child 44. Guess guess what country it's set in. I am here to discuss Child 44 with uh, Christian Mukinski. Uh, Comrade, when we first met, you assumed my name was Meerkat, so let's just go with that. And with a Child 44 tagline, we have Kelly Wand. It's like the gunman, but slightly colder. Kelly Wand, do you have a backup tagline? Uh, in Russia, winter invade you. <laughs> Very good. Child 44-inch chest. Uh, that You should have stopped at the second one. Yeah, what? Makes uh, no sense. Good, because you usually say I should stop at the first one, so I'm getting better. I love that song back in the USSR. I love it so much. Uh, I don't uh, get it. Why would the, yeah, like what? I don't. Can can you break? Like, I'm not a Beatles fan in the first place, but why? Really? Yeah, they're, they're overrated. Uh, why would the Beatles have a song about going back to Russia? Like I don't understand. I think uh, they're under. I have no idea why. I just know that in my sad little high school rock band that I was in playing uh, rhythm guitar. Uh, we did two two Beatles songs. We did uh, Back in the USSR and Boys. And uh, I loved playing Back in the USSR. So I had no idea you were going to do that. So when you did it, it just was such a it's such a pleasure. Well, maybe the listeners can unpack for us the point of that Beatles song. So I'm sure there's some they kind of message there. That... Jesus Christ. Huh? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, as you know, when, when, boy, oh, and, uh, when the uh, Beatles stuff came out for Rock Band, I couldn't have cared less. I'm not a big Beatles fan. There's yeah. a couple songs that I like, but I, I loved playing back in the USSR and Boys. Mm-hmm. Carrie Wand, how do you feel about the Beatles? They wrote more music than Jesus Christ. Ah, oh, yeah, okay, good. That is true. Yeah, you, did. you need to do that in an accent, though. I'll prefer the earlier, funnier ones. Uh, Kelly Wan, do you have, uh, speaking of earlier and funnier, do you have an IMDb synopsis for us? Yeah, name this movie. Okay, go. Come out of... From out of the sky, Soviet, Nicaraguan, and Cuban troops should land on the football. You're not that smart. <laughs> I did not remember that there were Nicaraguans and Cubans complimenting the Soviet invasion force in Red Dawn, though. Yeah, that, I thought that muddled it. Because the, the Cuban guy is the one who lets them go at the end. Like, he's the good guy, but it's like... Well, so the Russians are the dicks, but they're... Yeah, because Cubans and Nicaraguans are closer to being Americans than Russians. Why is Cuba... Go- Right, but they're invading Colorado, too. Like, that seems really dumb. Let me blow your mind, Kelly Wand. Cubans and Nicaraguans, maybe not Cubans, Nicaraguans are Americans. No, I know, I'm just saying the Colorado part's the weird. Right, but that doesn't, that doesn't surprise you to say... I get why Nicaraguans are invading us, I just don't know why they'd start in the middle, you know? But that doesn't surprise you that they're Americans, like you don't want to go, no, they're not. They're Nicar- Wait, oh, I mean, no, they're not. Yeah, but see, oh, God, they're, God. From, they're from Central America, they're still Americans, see? Ah, oh, Mergo Vespucci. Why do we use his first name to name two continents? American, Italian guy, Mergo Vespucci. He I'll was, ask them. I guess he was there. the first European to find it. I mean, everybody knows that. Every school child will tell you that he was the first European to land in America. Yeah, but we don't name... That's yeah, also, by the way, not true. The Vikings got here well before he did. Right. True story. 
That's why we all speak Norse. Let's now move on to the geometry portion of our podcast. I earlier earlier tonight had to explain to Kelly Wan the difference. Wait, did we already? uh, Is his IMDb done? Kelly Wan, are you done with your IMDb synopsis? Uh, yeah, you get the idea. Is there more I want to know what Tom said he was going to tell me the difference. No, I want to know if it's definitely, is it definitely Red Dawn? Because I didn't know. Oh, yeah. What, uh, yeah. What, uh, so There's only one movie that that happens in. There's only one movie where Nicaragua I didn't know that. Tom. I'm asking a question. I'm honestly Wait, come on. Question. You are that character. You are the Patrick Swayze of okay. our lives. The only thing I remember from Red Dawn is that difference between uh i don't know 600 million and a billion chinese anyway sorry i didn't know i i go ahead moving on well there it's are easy. to be fair to dingus kelly one there are two red dawn movies i believe like they, I, this is one of those things that either like you hear about it and then when it happens you've forgotten about it so years later you think wait did that ever happen but wasn't there a red dawn remake yeah, no one gave a shit about it. Yeah, and wasn't it – didn't they substitute Koreans or did I just make that up? Yeah, see, already – they should have just kept it Nicaraguan and everyone would have gone, oh, okay. But in, the, in, the, in the, the recent remake, and I say recent, like last five years, it's a Red Dawn remake. I think it's even called Red Dawn, but instead of Russians occupying the U.S., it's Co- North Koreans. Is that correct? Um, I don't see it. I didn't see it. Okay. Have I- you seen it? No, it no, seems weird I, that we haven't. Like, I could be mistaking it, though. There's a there's a video game, I think, called The Homeland, um, right. where the, the premise is that you're in America, but uh, in the U.S., but it's been invaded by uh, a foreign country. And I think it was originally supposed to be the Chinese, but the video game developers were worried about offending the Chinese market. So oh, you're right. To North <laughs> Koreans. So I don't yeah. know if I'm confusing the video game with the Red Dawn remake. Uh, and no, also, you're, you're right about the movie. That, okay. uh, that exact thing happened with the movie. Oh, then maybe – okay, yeah. So there was a Red Dawn remake. So, Kelly Wan, to be fair to Dingus, there are at least two movies that, that, that might have qualified for that. So Because we don't know Nicaraguan's money. But do you, rem- we didn't do you remember that movie. line about like uh, a billion screaming Chinese or something and somebody's like, no, no, there's only 600 million now? Mm. Wow. Uh, kind of. All right, never mind. I remember when they go – when they, they, they have Scott Glenn at gunpoint and they go – Why'd you desert your plane? And he goes, uh, I was attacked by three fighters. I took, oh no, I was attacked by four fighters. I took three of them. They're all, all right, we let them live. There's a, uh, a young adult novel that I think it was Australian because the movie's definitely Australian. Um, it's basically a Red Dawn ripoff where kids in Australia rise up against foreign occupiers. Um, but I think in this one, they're an unspecified, uh, Asian country. Uh, and I believe it's called – I don't know if I'm confusing this with Paul Giamatti's novel in Sideways, but I believe the movie this, that I'm talking about, this young adult thing, is called The Day After Tomorrow. No, wait. That's the wait, Roland that's Emmerich the thing. Robards movie. Oh, what's the Roland Emmerich thing? Uh, the Roland Emmerich nuclear – There's a Roland Emmerich disaster movie that's something like The Day After Tomorrow. It is The Day After, day after Tomorrow because the, the Paul Giamatti thing is The Day After Yesterday, and, and Virginia Madsen says – uh, isn't that tomorrow? Yeah, but isn't that, isn't isn't that today? today? Yeah. But then, what's the young adult thing where unspecified Asians invade Australia and they take up arms against it? Because I've actually seen that. So you Australia, guys, everybody's an outsider. You guys don't know that movie. Uh, How do you not know that movie? All right, whatever. <laughs> Every movie. Everybody's an outsider. Wait, Tom, that's yes, not a young adult. 
it's, it's there's a thing called Doomsday America, but it's like you know, it's like a Heinlein universe. He's not a kid. Is that what you're No, this is some young adult series that was popular in Australia. It became a movie, and there's actually even a couple of good actors in it, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, wow. You don't even need the post-nuclear part. That's the thing about Mad Max. It works either way. Yeah. You have to be told there was a nuclear thing because it's just more cop work. Okay. You know what? By the way, I predict that tonight's podcast for the listeners is going to have a lot of this kind of stuff. Uh, just because yeah. – oh, you, you'll, you'll see. Um, <laughs> yeah, I agree with what – Actually, we're done. That's tonight. <laughs> Good night. Fury yeah. Road in two weeks. No, no, no. Uh, pitch Perfect in two weeks. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Well, we I saw can't wait to hear what this with this with this series is Tom is talking about because all I can think about is the only series I know about it, that is out right now is the Insurgent Divergent Pertergent series. And, so I can't I can't imagine what he is talking about with this Australian series. Well, Divergent and Insurgent is like a future dystopia. This is a modern day uh, you know, it's young kids as actual insurgents against an occupying power in Australia. Oh. Uh, Kangaroo Jack. I don't think he's in it. I, I kind of well, like. I kind of love the idea of what you're talking about, Tom. How do you even know about this? Jesus. I've seen it. I've seen it. <laughs> it's an actual it. movie, or I thought it was yeah. like a bunch of young adult fiction that you've been reading. No, no, no. I have not. I have not read the source material, but uh, it, it was a, at least one novel. I, I'm guessing it's a series uh, that was adapted into a movie, uh, and it's called Super like, Zachariah. Day after tomorrow. You know what? You guys talk about something. I'm going to Google this. This is important enough. We normally on this show don't Google things while we're recording. We do it all the time. Well, we, we no, we uh, we don't. We try. Yeah. I don't because I'm worried about Maybe. messing up with my computer. Yeah, you, I don't. you guys uh, talks about uh, introduce a topic and talk about it. I'm going to Google this and then come back with a report. I can't believe Tom is talking, so about, talking about some weird Australian thing that isn't the rover that has something to do with an Australian dystopia. But by the way, I love the idea of uh, like some like. A, a, a future dystopia instead of a past dystopia. I found it. That act was a young adult. It's right, called is? Tomorrow, When the War Began. <laughs> oh, that's where you've got it mixed up. Wait, what was the first, second thing? You you were naming it far more elegantly than they were. Yeah, it's called Tomorrow, When the War Began. Yeah, yeah. Wait, I know, there, right? Is there a colon? That hurts my head. You would almost think there's time travel involved. You uh, can tell the water spins the other way just from that title. Only a psychotic mind would think. <laughs> Tomorrow, the diet, the diet. No offense, Australia. We love you, Australia. Checking out wrong. We love well, you. Yeah, love they, make, they make the best movies, and I'm, who are we, really? So the, the sequels, by the way, are called The Dead of the Night and The Third Day, The Frost. Is there Wait, a question mark? Is there a poet, or is that all one thing? It's a comma. It's The Third Day, comma, The Frost. Third day. He's telling a character called. But you're Frost. saying it like there's a question mark. He read it weird, even without the comma. I don't know how with the to read that with the comma. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, read it the way you think. If you were Australian, you should say that. The third day, the frost. <clears throat> so no comma. Okay, got it. No comma, straight. All right, let's get down oh, to brass tax and talk about what oh, we no, saw no, wait. this week. Oh. Don't. Nope. Okay, well, <laughs> Kelly Wand is, uh, has blocked me. Yes, Kelly Wand. I just wanted to ask you one last thing before we get to the movie. Like, what other YA novels um, you enjoyed reading that take place in Australia? Uh, I'll tell you a YA novel that I enjoyed reading. I don't know if it took place in Australia. There's one about um, 
So the Earth has been is is uh, basically run by robots, and uh-huh. when you hit thir- when you hit thirteen, the robots take you and they put some kind of like emotional suppression. Thing. Mockingbird. I don't know what it's called, but they're tripods, like they're giant tripods that roam around and they pick up uh, kids when they hit puberty, and then they put in them some chip that suppresses their emotions. <laughs> That's uh, disturbing behavior. That's a movie. Well, no, it's, it's a series of novels I read when I was a kid. I, I, I read young adult oh. fiction when I was a young adult, unlike a lot of people who read young adult fiction when they're not adults, when they're, when they're old adults. I read it was called Oz and Tarzan and Narnia. Uh, Lord of the Rings. That doesn't ring any bells for you guys? The thing where the tripods pick up the little kids and then they and, and then some kids don't want to be picked up by the tripods? Yeah. No, the, the, the only emotional suppression thing that reminds me of is equilibrium, but that's clearly not what you're talking about. Right, that's that's adult-adult. Uh, Serious business. Yeah, this thing with the tripods. Like, I, I remember being fascinated by this idea of these. These, and, and I don't think they even go into like who's controlling the robots or whatever. It doesn't mm-hmm. ring bells for you guys, huh? No. Well, no. you guys didn't even know about tomorrow when the war began. So, what do you know? That's a good point. Yeah. So the kids become terrorists, and tomorrow when the war began, they rise up and they like sabotage the invaders' machinery and stuff like that. They blow up a fuel tanker, I think. Very spectacular what? stuff, yeah. I wish I. I'm really bummed I didn't read this as a kid. Now, can you make it sound kind of good? Well, I think it's contemporary. Like you couldn't have, re- you wouldn't have been a kid. Like it wouldn't have existed when you were a kid, Kelly Wand. It's it's recent young adult fiction, set in Australia. The movie is from. Where's the year here? It's from. Oh Jesus, 2010. It's old. I read the Hardy Boys, and I also read those John Jakes bastard novels. Like when I was seven. That's where uh, I learned what rape was. <laughs> What about then I went back to Hardy Boys. What about the books? What about Encyclopedia Brown? Yeah, they were too hard. Brown guy. Yeah. I like Sherlock Holmes more. Or Encyclopedia Brown is too, I don't know. Could you ever guess the Encyclopedia Brown things? Or was it always like you looked at it and went, oh, gold's weighed differently. Right, know. yeah, no, I, I was not that smart. Also, because his, his dad's a police chief. Like, it seems like the ta- like they should just give Encyclopedia Brown the gun if he's going to do all that shit. Encyclopedia like, Brown doesn't get a gun. Uh, he can only guys- solve it. Well, I was just going to say, um, the really tough ones he would take until dessert to solve. So it was like his mom would like kind of cheat it by making a dessert that took a little longer. Right. It was like a tough case. Okay, yes, Dingus. <laughs> I was going to ask yeah, if you guys have you... read The Great Brain. Have you, have you ever read The Great Brain? The Any Great Brain, books? yes, that sounds familiar. Yeah, because uh, I had such fond memories of that as a kid, and so I bought that to read with my 10-year-old, and he loves it now, but there's so much politically incorrect stuff in it. Um, like what? Well, it's it's this kid who's uh, uh, this, uh, I don't know, this, this Catholic kid who's living in a totally overrun Mormon town in Utah, and his brother, his older brother, is, is incredibly smart, like Encyclopedia Brown, kind of a great brain guy. But there's there's so much politically incorrect stuff in it, uh, and my kid just loves it because it's just it's just an intriguing book. But I was I just had such fond memories of the Great Brain when I was growing up, and it's so weird to read that to your kid and go, oh my god, I have to explain a lot of stuff now. Uh, so the, the series I was talking about uh, about the tripods is called the Tripods series. So <laughs> it's just like the other thing by a guy named John Christopher. The first one is called the White Mountains. Hmm. So doesn't ring any bells for you guys, huh? 
Right. No, I don't yeah. remember it. Yeah. Great. Were there pictures? See, the thing is, years from now, when 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 kids today are our age, they're not going to be fragmented like this. They're all just going to be talking about Harry Potter. You know, there's yeah. there's one monolithic block of young adult fiction that everyone's going to remember. Yeah. No, but there's a lot more though besides Harry Potter. Yeah, like, no one's going to. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah, you're right. Some of them will be talking about uh, uh, Hunger Games and Insurgent. Yeah, so good point. There will be three different. John Carter's better than uh, Harry Potter. Like kids are getting jacked. They should see. uh, They should see the 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 John Carter movie. No, the first the first three books and the Oz books are kind of good value. All right. Uh, Well, thing is, tell folks about instead of young adult fiction. Let's talk about an R-rated movie called. Child 44, but without spoiling it, Dingus, tell tell folks a little bit about it. It's about young adults. All right. Wait, wait. Hold on. Hold that thought, Dingus. Tell you what. Children are young adults. Is that what that was? Like like children are just adults but younger? Yeah. Isn't that what you said? It's it's terrible take on children. (laughs) All right. uh, Sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) No, I, I said guess, the movie's about Kelly, young Kelly's adults. from that part of England where they used to think, oh, uh, kids are just little people. Right, right, yeah. They're just shorter than us. Yeah. The top hats are smaller width in the brim. It's very Dickensian of you, Kelly Wand. The cheroots are uh, <laughs> it's made <minor>. of candy. <laughs> minor Kelly Wand. Uh, it's kids in little British accents like Bugsy Malone. That's what the world is. All right, well, this week we saw Child 44. A 2015 American-British, that's American-British, mystery thriller drama movie about how murder never happens in paradise. It was directed by Daniel Espinoza and written by Richard Price based on the novel by Tom Rob Smith. It's quite the unfortunate name. I feel bad for the guy. It's kind of like the a- Russian really shines out of that name. <laughs> it stars Tom Hardy, Numi Rupace, Patty Considine, and Vincent Cassell. Uh, Child 44 is rated R for violence, some disturbing images, language, and a scene of sexuality. What? Uh, Child 44 on Rotten Tomatoes is currently uh, 25% of the reviews for it are positive. <laughs> on, Metacritic, which, on Metacritic, which is the average of various ratings, uh, Child 44 is at 41. Uh, it had a limited release. It's only on 500 screens. But in the opening weekend, it came in at number 17. <laughs> That's a little unfair, Dingus, to laugh at it because, like I said, it was only on... 500 screens. So let's do a little quick math. <laughs> yeah, please do. On, I thought this was like a wide release that we were going to see. No, it, it's, it's very limited. I mean, it's still, it's, it's wider than like a lot of limited releases. 500 screens, it's nothing to sneeze at. Um, so let's look at the total amount that it made and then break down how much it made per screen. Uh, so 500 screens, it took a little bit over a half million dollars, basically $600,000, but let's round that down to a half million dollars Oh, 500 God. screens, that's $1,000 per screen, which is abysmal. That's terrible. Um, Good Lord. So, yeah, uh, the people who this cannot be very happy right now. What the hell were they thinking with the way they uh, with the way they released Ex Machina? What the fuck was going on? Wait, what? What is that? Why are you bringing that up? Ex Machina, by the way, uh, made more money on fewer screens this week than uh, Child 44. 
that's my point, is that they released Ex Machina Limited last week, and then we're supposed to be wider this week, and this is su- supposedly a wider release. Why didn't they just blow Ex Machina out? Well, they're, I think they're, this, they're different distributors, but uh, I think the thinking here was that this is a, a big-budget thriller. Uh, I don't know what kind of marketing, if any, they're doing for it, but you know, Safe House, which is the director's last movie, uh, they, that wrote on the, 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 the size of Denzel Washington's name. Uh, this... I think they were thinking that Tom Hardy would be a big draw. I've not seen a thing about it, though. Yeah. Have you seen any? Well, that, you and I, I yeah, you and I are terrible gauges for like how yeah. movies are made because we don't watch trailers. We uh, willfully ignore a lot of marketing. Um, but I, I know, I know I what I have to ignore, and I knew I had to ignore Ex Machina a number of times. I've never had to ignore Child Forty Four. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what's good. But at any rate, uh, yeah, so it, it, it should disappear without a trace very shortly. Um, yeah. Right. Uh, all right, so uh, let's let's now, maybe you haven't seen, most likely you haven't seen Child 44. So we're going to actually, instead of seeing Child 44, we're going to have Kelly Wand tell you everything that happens in it so that you don't need to see it. So Kelly Wand, why don't you give the listeners a Childopsis 4-4? Oh, Really? I don't know. What do you want to call? What would you call a synopsis of Child Forty Four, Kelly Wand? Child Forty Fopsis. Awesome. So rock and roll with a Child Forty Fopsis. Some words are all. If you were Russian during the twentieth century, World Wars One and Two were the relaxing parts. Also, there's no such thing as murder in paradise. Just shitloads of famine and snow, huh? Some numbers are all. Russia, the past. Ah, oh, child character, come, come, sit in the fire with me. Since you're brunette and pale and half-starved, I shall name you Leo, after the famous lion, eh? Dosvidanya! Well, my actual name's Leon, so... The other starving peasants cough and look away uncomfortably, whistling to ease the tension. Child character, what is that round metal item in your hand? Oh, it's a coin, Valar Morgulis. Valadineris, Valadineris. Look, I made coins flatter by putting them on the train tracks. Let's try it with a stick of dynamite. The old man sticks out his hand. Welcome to whatever the KGB is called back now. The kid ages to become Brendan Fraser. Some more words are all. This next thing was the only memorable thing that happened to our protagonist during World War II. Guys, look it. I took American flag off Iwo Jima, and now I going replace it with this Russian one for the fatherland. Take picture of me quick. His buddies all... Uh, I think you mean motherland there? Fatherland's Germany. They're the enemy. Speaking of which, the flag you're holding is also German. Say cheese. They take a picture of him holding a flag, which gets him promoted to comrade colonel in charge of farm harassment. His boss, Jeffrey Rush, is all, Well done, Brendan Frejerovsky. The year is now 1953. Now go to farm and ask if they're hiding man from Planet of Apes movie under floorboards, like in Inglorious Bastards, but without jokes, like Dingus making Sun listen to Weird Al version of song before normal one. I look over at the mud sitting next to me and go, Up till the other night, I thought that Stevie Nicks song was called Vienna. The mud rolls its eyes and moves to another seat. Some words in a Cyrillic font are all farm while a cow moves. Brendan Fraser's all. Greetings, humble farm folk. I understand you are a hiding man from Planet of Apes here. What was that? I cannot hear you. He's running across a field. What? He's running across a field. 
Stalin's Pasternak, I shall go after him and have inconclusive knife fight. Corporal character, you stay here, keep the family safe. The soldiers all, got it. He pulls out a gun and shoots the grandma in the head. No, corporal, please, not doing that. I think we're police officers. Oh, sorry, I was just trying to teach the kids a lesson. I'll dial it down a notch. He shoots the dad. Bridget and Fraser's all, uh... Right, sorry, I got this, don't worry. Some Cyrillic words are all different scene. Ah, Bendenov Frazhenstensky. We need you to name seven people you know who are serial killers, and six of them must be your wives. Your deadline is noon sharp, but yesterday, I'm afraid. So for missing deadline, you and your wife here will now please stand against bloodstained wall there. A firing squad marches in with rifles. One nods at Brendan and goes, Hey, Paul, the guns come up. They shove in Brendan's handcuffed wife. She's sobbing. Then she's all, Brendan, please, we're being executed. For what? He's all, mm. Jeffrey rushes all, Any final words, Herr Frazierov? Brendan Frazier's all, Firing squad, please spare me. She's the traitor, along with demon imp, which I impregnated her with. I will sell you her corpse to do it as you wish. Just please do not kill me. I'm peeing pants here to gain your admiration. Jeffrey rushes all. Uh, we're just transferring you to a small town, uh, with train tracks in it. Where are you getting killed? Oh, firing squad? No, we brought them in here so we could shoot them. They've been really slacking off lately. Guys, could you have my buddy here and his honey, the gun? Thanks, shit. Whew. We all fire a gun each hand. There's still six of you left. Okay, which half you don't want to be shot right now? Only one? Come on, guys. This is paradise, remember? Okay, guys, you two just take off till we get this shit figured out. Some words are all Russia sometime after the last scene. Turn to that comrade general. I believe that child serial killer is following me from city to city like shark in fourth Jaws movie. Haha, <laughs> come Vaseline. Perhaps you're a shark, eh? You go somewhere, murder happens 44 times. Seems strange coincidence, eh? Well, on murder, she wrote. Exactly. Maybe <laughs> Angel Lansbury on murder, she wrote, is real killer. 30 years, a murder a week. So you're saying Ellen Brody is secretly shocked? That explains some things. More importantly, Vaseline, there's no murder in paradise. Remember this quote from beginning of movie. This one, not Jaws. It is foundation of entire Russian legal system. So much wiser than complete works of Karl Marx. Go home. Wife have good news, perhaps. Vaseline, you look the same as always. I have sold pinky sewn testicle in exchange for this crib for our newborn with child murder in neighborhood. Crib may prove useful deterrent. Oh, Brendanov, I'm not pregnant with child. I only said that to make firing squad feel bad, which is good news with child murder prowling around, although I wonder if serial killer pay better than homicide detective. Not that I'm complaining, Vaseline, especially with child on way. Oh, Vaseline, what is it? You look bored. Some Cyrillic words are all, uh... Hey, look, it's my old girlfriend and her new husband. I had a feeling you guys were here when I was coming up the driveway, and I saw my broken window and a piece of Brendan's underwear caught on one of the glass shards. How can I help you? Uh, Simka, you sure we can trust this man? He has mustache, but no beard. Oh, Vaseline, didn't you see Prometheus? I'm pretty hard to put one over on. Uh, character, my wife and I sneak back into Moscow to find serial killer. Based on map here with pins in it I made in train car, I believe he may be you, or possibly character we've never seen. May I put handcuff on you? Also, I may need to borrow the handcuff, my normal set we used on way here for food and sex aid. Bro, I totally get it. Here, have a seat. I just got to make one quick phone call, and we'll totally hang out and solve murders. Also, I borrowed a few of your map pins there. My buddy uses nets. 
some words are all eight famines later. How oh, that's late. I've just shot the serial killer in the head to teach you a lesson. And now that it is still snoring here in forest, I shall teach you another one, which is that one of us was a fool to forget your wife is creeping up behind me with a shovel. Oh, <laughs> Ingmar, you stood up and did things just in time. Vaseline, in all this snow and gloom, I was almost certain that I was swinging the shovel at your head, but I guess this outcome is serviceable as well. Okay, nobody move. Lady, put your hands down on the shovel on top of your head. Uh, let's see. One body, two bodies. Okay, I'm going to call the chief of police. Hang on, nobody move. He opens a nearby tree, revealing a payphone. He dials a number. The phone in Jeffrey Rush's dead hand starts ringing. Probed is all. Brendan Fraser's alibi, fist fight in mud, apparently considered convincing. Well, Comrade Fraser, we found your snow-covered deception, surrounded by corpses amazing. Late bloomer, eh? You will fit right in here at KGB, arresting families, proofreading, blacklist, and ensuring that from now on all famines will be orderly and frigid. Brendan Fraser's all, Thank you, Comrade General, but my wife and I have had enough crazy adventures for one day. From now on, I'm sticking to stamping captured on unsolved 30-year-old child murders. Vaseline, I have not felt so proud since the conception of our child. I look over at E.L. James sitting beside me and go, by the way, there's two more of these. The end. Did you know that, Tom? There's three novels, and the wife and the husband are both in all of them. So they basically run around uh, Soviet Russia solving crime? Yeah. Wow. What happens? What are the crimes in the other one? I didn't look, because I thought we'd see all of them. I kind of doubt we're going to get any more of these movies. Uh, I think this uh, is a one-off. It so yeah. long. Fuck! Depends how many trains we can get. They, they, there were some good-looking trains in this movie. I will give that to this movie. Yeah, There were some really good-looking... There, there were some hot trains, I, yeah. I would say. If you're into trains, this is a movie for you. Yeah, there's some super hot trains and super hot stuff coming out of trains on the top. There's, like, white smoke and black smoke. It's That's the best thing about this movie, is watching that stuff coming out of trains. It's Kelly like Snowpiercer, but a bummer. Um, it's nothing like Snowpiercer, Kelly Wan. What? <laughs> oh. It's They're like Snowpiercer, but a bummer. I think Snowpiercer... It's cannibalism, is just kids get shot. Uh, all right, well, wait wait a minute. Some of us might have liked this movie, so hold on. Hold, let's go around the table. Uh, Dingus, what did you think of Child 44? Oh, good Lord. Are you kidding? <sighs> I know, right? All right, let's try this. Honestly, God damn... Hold on, let's try Kelly One. Maybe he was into it. Kelly One, what did you think of Child 44? There's good scenes in it. Oh, see, Dingus? See? Oh, okay, there you go. Kelly One. I so kind of like the part where... So Kelly, one, so Kelly One, you're saying you kind of liked it. No, I hated it. Oh, okay. Oh, well, come on, Kelly. I thought we are, we're all family here. We don't keep secrets from each other. What part did you kind of like, Kelly Wand? Um, kind of liked it. It's a, you're qualifying it. So, yeah, go ahead. I liked when he was named when he has to name his wife because I go oh the writer's really painted himself into a corner here this is going to be really good but mm-hmm. then yeah he just goes he just gets out of it <laughs> I don't what I don't understand is it I don't know I I kind of I should like these movies because I like movies that you know take place in other continents remind me of. Why it's so much better here? Like Prometheus, that takes place in another continent. No, that was here because that big head. Uh, I have to con- confess that, um, and I mentioned this to Dingus, I may not have seen this movie. 
Uh, I think I was dozing on and off through the last hour of it. So this movie could have been awesome, and I'm just not aware of it. But you dozed off during 300 Rise of an Empire, and later it was number three on your top ten list. I did, I, but I, and I immediately went back and saw it. I have no desire to go back and fill in the gaps on Child 44. Let me just... Let me just uh, step forward here, seeing as I was sitting next to Tom during this movie, uh, and I know you were sitting next to Tom during the 300 movie, so so we have a couple of data points here. Uh, the moments where I heard Tom's uh, breathing go into sleepy time, um, he did not miss a goddamn thing. <laughs> so, uh, you know, well, he went back to watch the 300 movie to great effect. I would beg him, do not ever go back to watch any of these bits of the movies, this movie where your breathing got a little sleepy time. You can use you, the word. You, did, you, you can use the word snore. No, no, you don't. Okay. You don't snore. You, right. you just you got a little relaxed, and so you have nothing to worry about. And it was like a couple of moments. And honestly, good God, you do not have to see any moment of those late moments where you missed. Seriously, that was, that was the impression I got waking up. Like when I woke up at at, at, at three hundred Rise of an Empire, and Lena Headey is leading this awesome fleet, and cool stuff is going on. I was like, "Yeah, all right. Wait, how did she get there? What what happened? You know, I felt Tom like was the, I Tom felt like slept. I needed to find out. Well, that was a special that was a special circumstance, and then we you went you took me to see it again, and yeah. That 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 made a big difference. This I'm, I promise you, it will make no difference. Yeah, in this, this, I, in this yeah. I would wake up and oh, they're getting on another train, or oh, there, you know, there's uh, somebody doing research, or oh, it's more of a Tom Hardy just sort of being a brooding bully. Um, well, I, I I didn't. Yeah, nothing. when I saw 300 with Tom, he was sleeping during the Eva Green parts, but he still had a boner. Uh. <laughs> the the weird thing for me watching this movie is that I kept thinking. Uh, as I was watching the first part of it, is uh, am I just not understanding what's going on? Am I, am I am I not understanding what's so great about this? Because famously, I missed the point of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, and that has Tom Hardy and Gary Oldman in it as well. Well, and I, is that how you would characterize things? I mean, I sort of felt like it just didn't work for you. I mean, I don't know that you necessarily missed, but I it's mean, convoluted. Well, well, no, but I, I was watching a, a ton of things, and I and I missed I missed kind of what worked for you guys okay. so a lot of times when i when i watch a movie and i'm thinking this isn't working for me let me anal- let me really concentrate why isn't this working for me is it me is it the movie but no it's the movie this movie just doesn't it's just completely boring i don't even know why this movie has been made i, I that, that's what I, I i sat there thinking why has this movie been made why are we watching this movie and why are all these amazing people in it I don't understand why this movie is being made. It's it's so uh, dim and slow on many different levels. Uh, I, I think those are two words I would use to characterize the parts that I was awake to see. Um, yeah, that's how Russian shit is, man. No, no, <laughs> it's not. Don't blame it on Russian shit. It's just dim uh, and slow. <laughs> it has it, there's nothing interesting about it, and I don't understand. I, I mean, it's based on a true story, but I, I, I mean, this is one of those few moments where I wish. And this is one thing that's weird about me. I wish I watched trailers and I wish I paid it because I would have liked to go into this knowing that I was watching some sort of ridiculous bone collector kind of movie instead of wondering if after seeing Ex Machina, I was child 44 was going to be some sort of weird science fiction thing. 
That's what I was going in thinking, oh, it's going to be some weird – but instead it's just a weird procedural serial killer bullshit thing. Well, I, I do kind of – you know, Kelly, when you said uh, part of it being dim and slow is the, the Russian setting, um, I do kind of agree with that because another movie that's dim and slow is uh, 1984, the Richard Burton one, um, uh. which which is you know about a totalitarian society and how everything's repressed and bleak. Um, and there's an element of, of that uh, that I found and, fascinating in this, but uh, there, there was just so much – I, I mean, there's the stuff in this that should have been fascinating just kind of got lost in the overall ponderousness of it, I, I yeah. feel. Because um, I do love the idea of, you know, what what if you are investigating a murder in a society that will not acknowledge that it's prone to murderers? You know, that, that idea. And as the movie's developing, and I'm thinking, oh, this is going to get good, you know. I'll, I'll cut it a break. The early parts where they're establishing the character's backstory – a little slow we'll, we'll, we'll rise out of that and we'll get this fascinating procedural and you know the fascinating part never happens uh well it keeps it does keep seeming like he's setting up shit like he names the wife and oh what's gonna yeah, happen well yeah. they just they just get out of it and then oh he's going back he's sneaking back into moscow well okay and then this it's like he it's kind of like it's just set up awesome setups the lame resolution yeah because i do feel that there's there's some fundamental it's also russian there's some fundamental narrative incompetence going on in terms of how this story is being told. Um, because if I was to describe this to someone, uh, I would think it would sound fascinating. Yeah. Um, how I, would you How would you describe it to somebody? Like, like I said so, before, you know, what if? Uh, yeah, what if you were in the midst of a society, the repressive Stalinist Soviet era, you know, uh, culture, and you have to investigate this this reprehensible serial killer. Um, but the state will not acknowledge that he could possibly exist. You know, that, that tension right there. During a famine. But yeah, during a famine, and, you know, you can't travel from city to city because the population is controlled. Um, you know, the, you're, you're a party dog. The, the, the Politburo makes sure that you will only say and do certain things. So how do you then follow your conscience and track down a serial killer who's murdering children, who's doing something reprehensible? Like to me, that sounds like a fascinating premise yeah. for a movie, and there's but nothing fascinating in this movie. Right, well, he never gets out of setup, through ingenious means. And all that great setup of, of this premise never pays off. Uh, the, it's like when I, I read Brothers Karamazov a couple of years ago because Dickens may convinced me, like, oh, great works, literature, and it was like the same kind of thing where it's like a really cool setup and like so the dude gets murdered by one of his sons. You're not sure which one it is, and then by the end you're just like, Ugh. and then you find I found out it was like the first tenth of the whole story, like it was just going to keep going. So basically, this is as good as Brothers Karamazov. That's your. Uh, <laughs> I'm saying bad story. bad payoffs is a uh, Russian. Thing. What what about all that stuff about Hitler planting moles who become interested in being able to drink the blood of children? Oh man, I did sleep through some cool stuff. What was that? Uh, <laughs> I mean, the, 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 the idea that that uh, there's this weird sort of like idea that that the reason that we have a serial killer is that. Hitler left these guys behind when he left. Well, you know, that, that's a, a classic Russian tactic, is to blame the West uh, for anything wrong with their society. Uh, and I, right. I, I did sleep through the, the part about Hitler planting moles to drink the blood of children, but they did several times say, you know, that these are, these are people who 
like that this guy obviously was in doctor he got this way because he was in a nazi war camp or he was in a, a prisoner war camp during world war ii you know he would never get that from our society uh all of okay. these hills are imported from elsewhere okay. uh and you know it's putin today uh blaming the west for russia's economic problems you know it's that on a, on a smaller scale uh you know, when, when things don't work in a dystopian totalitarian society like Stalin era Russia, uh, you just blame outsiders. Um, so Germany so again, is the old West. So when he when he meets him at the end and he says, "I know who you are," because we were both orphans or whatever, I still don't oh, right, right, right. quite understand uh, how. Which one? I, I just I just don't I didn't understand how Patty Considine knows who. Tom Hardy is, and they they the kind footnotes. of. Uh, uh, I just don't understand what what the I don't know what the conspiracy theory is that that they both know each other and that there's still this like idea that Hitler left all these moles because there's that's kind of an interesting idea that Hitler left these time bombs and the uh, the idea is that he addicted them to children's blood somehow even even if that's a metaphorical idea. Um, well, Davis, was it um, the standard thing at the end? Because this is the impression I got, where uh, it's you know the, the the killer and the cop, um, or, you know the, the criminal and the vigilante. They finally meet each other and they have the confrontation where the the criminal says to the vigilante, "You're just like me, you know. I know you, like the Joker and Batman." Is it that kind of thing? It, it's it's like that, but it's more specific. I mean, it might be just because P- Patty Constantine is so good, um, but it, it seemed to me. Like uh, I know you specifically because of this reason, but I didn't get if I just missed something. I, I don't know. I mean, okay. there's so much in this movie that I just I could not follow because it's just so poorly put together. It really is. It really did feel like it was long enough as it was, but it really felt like surely they shot some stuff that had to get cut that might have made this make a little more sense. Yeah, maybe. Um, or it took it, that we knew things for granted or something. I don't think it took anything for you. I think I, I mean it's two hours and seventeen minutes, and it felt it felt like there's an hour of uh, of uh, stuff that they didn't tell us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a weird start too, because it goes all right. There's a famine going on before World War Two. You're like, all right, famine, got it. And then that's like one scene, and then there's World War Two scene, and then the main. Well, I think a lot of that, and that was Kelly Wan. Like, I think some of that could have been cut, but that explains you know, the fact part. that it's that it's a series. Makes me realize, oh, I think they're trying to set up this. You know, it's the character's backstory, yeah. Yeah. And regardless of whether they think there are movies two and three, that's probably the nature of this as a script and as a novel, is we set up the character first. Jake Ryan. Then we get, exactly, then we get into the the crime that he's solving. Um, uh, Let's do talk about, though, how, uh, so yeah, it's a big mess in many ways, but I kind of begrudgingly admired uh, just the, the bleak production design. I mean, those trains were sexy because they just were really old trains that they got. But so much of the, uh, you know, the costuming and the sets, uh, some of those old vehicles, uh, like I, yeah. I kind of, in a way, had to admire a movie that was willing to look so intentionally ugly. I yeah. agree with you, especially on the costuming, because they, because you see Tom Hardy and and a couple of the other like tough-looking dudes coming downstairs in those silly puffy pants, <laughs> and you just have to go, man, I. I just gotta, I gotta give you props for trying to look right. tough in those pants. <laughs> You're owning those pants. Yeah, it's like yeah. the cargo shorts in the rover. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Walk around. Right. Are those, are those jodhpurs, by the way? Is that what a jodhpur is? 
I don't know what that is, but it, it's clearly period. Yeah. And and for and I don't doubt that Tom Hardy's like you. You can put me in whatever the fuck you want to put me in, but but uh, everybody else did too. And 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 they just look ridiculous. I mean, they don't look tough or scary or anything like that. But I I kind of I agree with you. I kind of I kind of begrudgingly like that. Uh, what other things did uh, can we say nice about this movie? If anything? I like the acting, I think. Did you? Because I kind of didn't. Um, you slept through it. You don't count. That's a good point. You can just you can basically discredit anything I say about this movie by pointing out that I haven't seen it. Uh, yeah. I got excited when I noticed Tom Hardy's accent come out a couple times. You mean when his Russian accent failed, or when uh, he sounded British? Went, no, bitch. Something like that. I remember that line. Yeah, that line. That's an iconic line from Chapter Forty Four. He was saying it to Ed Harris. Wait, I don't know. It's uh. So the acting, Kelly. Let's talk about the acting. So Kelly Wand, it worked for you. You liked who? Who stood out for you, Kelly Wand? Tom Hardy. Mm-hmm. He seemed kind of Russian looking. So it took me a while to realize the movie was about him. Because it's like he goes out on the patrol. Okay. Um, did you like any? Did anyone else stand out for you? Anyone else? Uh, uh the serial killer was all right. Eddie Constantine, right? The kids. The guy gets shot uh, in the back. By the way, real quick, so Kelly Wand, have you yet seen a movie called PU two thirty nine, two forty nine, four twenty nine? That's the one I mixed up with Matthew McConaughey U-boat thing. Yeah, it's not the U-boat thing. It's a great thing with Patty Considine and uh, Oscar Isaacs, who we like. And it was technically it, it aired on HBO, so it might be uh, like buried under the rubric of a made-for-TV movie, but it wasn't made for for TV. Um, but Dingus and I both really love and recommend a movie called PU239. So if you appreciated if you appreciated Patty Considine in this, you should definitely see. He also plays a Russian in that. I like movies about Russia with numbers in the title. Well, but I don't really watch. It's yeah. definitely one. So I needed a new one. Yeah. Uh, Dingus, who stood out for you, if anyone? Or what, what did you think of the acting in this? Uh, I, 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 the problem is, I just kept sitting there thinking, why are these people in this movie? I mean, who who is holding a gun to this many people's heads? I don't understand why Jason Clark appears in it. I don't understand why anybody appears in this movie. It's it's a whole... I, I just don't get it. I don't get why this guy doing safe house gets this many people into this movie. And I, and I really want to see like a novella of, of how these people appeared in it. I mean, that said, there are things that, that, that they all do that are fine. I mean, my favorite moment that Tom Hardy does is when, um, when Rice reveals that she's pregnant at the table with his parents and he does this thing where he wipes his eyes. I mean, it's this little thing that Tom Hardy does where he's clearly, he wipes his eyes and then he, he gets up from the table and you wonder, is he going to leave? What's going to happen? And then he goes up behind her and then it's clear he's, he's, I'm stepping up now. Uh, you know, he later, he later finds out that he's been played for a fool, but with that moment where he wipes his eyes, that's a great Tom Hardy moment. You know, I saw that dingus in my thinking at that moment, and maybe it's just because I was so soured on the movie at this point, was, oh, you know, he, he wasn't quite committed to cry, but he's going to do something to make it look like he was thinking about crying. or Like, that stood out for me, but I don't, I didn't, I guess I didn't, like, respond to it as positively as you did. I, for, I felt, for me, it felt like a, like a tough guy going, okay, I can't cry right now, but right, I'm right. I'm I'm going to uh, go into the moment. Right. So, and it's so all many, bullshit. So many of the things in the movie, like those kind of moments, and more of the yelly moments, um, really felt to me just like uh, like actor workshoppy things. 
right. like you know, actors doing exercises to maybe get into the moment later, and the director would come in and shape it at some point. But it just felt like raw acting exercises, which I, I just thought a lot of the acting was gratuitous and just didn't feel honest, and it was just dudes yelling. Um, well, not just dudes. I mean, I thought uh, really, yeah, it was terrible. I, yeah, think she, I yeah. thought she was horrible in this. Um, How well, because why I you know this and Prometheus now like I don't I know she was in the original Girl with a Dragon Tattoo movies but why do people like her what what do I have to see to convince myself that she's that she's a good actress I don't know because she's yeah. I don't think she's any good she's just like I'm gonna look stricken I mean I don't know what what are we she's interesting to? looking I don't think she's that interesting looking to mm. be honest. She's I, had a I, weird. She has distinct facial structure. Yeah. I mean, if, if by interesting looking, you say, I mean, and she's got, she looks different in every movie. That always holds water with me. Well, That's, they do her. They do her hair. Movie. Yeah, they do her hair differently, Kelly Wand. I'll, I'll this guarantee movie, that. Yeah. I, this movie reminds me of Born on the Fourth of July, where you kind of like. Wow. You feel like. Yeah, the I can't wait to hear this connection made. Yeah, go ahead, Kelly Wand. The main character's a kid. He's like, I live in this country. Rules. And then when he grows up, it's like, what? Actually, Fuck. Kelly one pulled it out. That's a fair enough uh, analogy. Okay. I can't believe how betrayed I am. And it's like, dude, wake up. Bullshit detector. Smell the cough. It's like, now you're getting it. And so it's like, it, seem, it seems like his character should just move out of. Yeah, because they, they, let, they let you do that in Russia. You're like, yeah, hey, you don't like it here. Just move somewhere else. Well, well, well don't be surprised. Like, okay. I don't know. Like, all right, I'm going to figure out this murder. And they're going to, this time they're going to appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there, and again, that should be fascinating. Is you right. know, a, a war hero uh, who loves his country coming to realize that his his country is monstrous. I mean, that should be a good story. Um, but no, yeah, it didn't really happen here. Uh, no, I never got a sense of him changing though. Yeah, you know what? Same here. Yeah, because it, I think right. that the script sort of called. And that's another reason I didn't like any of the acting. I think the script definitely wanted to be about a guy changing, but. Like, I just got the impression he was, like I said before, a brooding bully throughout the whole movie. Um, oh, he's right. dumb. Too. Right. The, 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 the interesting things that he did was rubbing his eyes and then telling Joel Kinnaman, you know, don't use your knife on the thing. Just feel the cushions. I mean, those are the only things that right. were interesting that he did at all. And I think Tom Hardy has so much range, and there's just nothing. <sighs> it's really hard to believe this is the guy who was in Locke. It's I mean, unbelievable yeah. to me because I kept thinking about that. I, and it's unfair because that, that movie is so – that script is so incredible. But the, watching it here, it's just ah, – it's like, is this the same dude? And he just seems uh, – maybe he's just bored because he just has uh, – I don't know. It's not fair. It's not fair to say somebody's bored, but oh, good lord. And I'm Joel Kinnaman. I love Joel Kinnaman so much in Robocop, and I felt so embarrassed watching him like yeah. stride around and smack people. It's just – and then and the final thing you're going to do is like slather guys in mud to hide the fact that you can't stage a fight so that we don't know who's doing what. Are you? Are you? There was a lot of that. Every, a predator? What is? What's going on? Like every fight scene had something like that train fight, that ridiculous train fight ah. with, the, with, the, with Numi Rapace in there also, and the knife and like uh, everything. Yeah. Even that so early, patient. even that early Reichstag uh, gun battle. Like everything was just totally shuffled and cut and dark and crowded. If you're like, not going to make a fight exciting, why bother staging it? I mean, why bother? I, I mean, you can't use the ex- you can't use the excuse of PG thirteen. Because you're in our movie, 
and you haven't made a, a fight that is exciting in any way or has any attention. Or attention. I mean, why even bother having the fight? My, my guess, Dingus, is that they felt that it was supposed to be like um, like, like a, a brutal and visceral and confused and uh, oh, like this is what it would really be like to be in a fight. Um, uh, in all honesty, I'd rather watch Mr. and Mrs. Smith again. Well, yeah. So I mean, that, that at least had style, didn't it? Yeah, you can tell it had the part style, cause... and it had it had a sense of stakes, and it had at least you you could see who was hitting who. And this, I didn't know who was hitting who until they brought the fucking corpses off the train. Right, right, exactly. You sort of got to wait for okay, I'll wait for your stupid action scene to be over to find out what happened because I'm not getting any information watching it. Yeah, Smith did write the book though. Uh, the Tom Rob Smith wrote the book for Child Forty Four. You're saying? Yeah. Good point. We did know that. Yeah. Um, reminding you, Kelly. One, can you tell us anything about the source material? So you mentioned there are three books. What, what else? To, what's different between the books and the movie? Do we know? Uh, the wife's in all of them. Okay. So that's true. I did wonder because I'm glad I didn't know that because I did wonder. Okay, are they going to let Numi Rapace get killed like for shock value? Are we gonna, are we going to refrigerate the woman in this movie? It, it, does she actually turn out to be pregnant, or was she really lying about being pregnant? She was really lying. All right. And I think she lies in the other two, too. She's like the Zach Galifianakis character in The Hangover. So in every movie she says, I'm pregnant, and it turns out she's not? I mean, in every yeah. book? You'd think so she would scared. wise up to that. At some point, yeah. yeah. How weird it. it was. Did you notice how he like did this weird like gun finger to her head when he said, like, she's pregnant, she's pregnant, she's pregnant? And he pointed oh, yeah. her at her a couple of times with his like gun finger. Right. That's weird. It was weird. God, it's a weird movie. Anyway, go ahead, Kelly. What? Are there other differences? Uh, I didn't read the books. All right. Oh. Does sodium pentothal really do that to you, by the way? Like, make you, like, do you have to, like, have a, a restraints on and have a, a little something to bite in your mouth? Or, in all the movies I've seen, yeah, it just kind of makes you kind nuts. Of, like, you can't really be trusted. But in this, it, it seemed to make you have a seizure and you get all sweaty and gross. And, uh, yeah, I didn't know what was up with that. It, it made it seem very unpleasant. You can work around the sweat. Okay. Uh, were we okay? How do we feel about movies set in Russia where instead of being in Russian, we're just going to have people do thick accents? And maybe it's just because I was so bored with the movie, but is that really a good idea? And I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I, I grudgingly respected it because usually when we do this, it's just let's all do let's all do a an English accent. Right, exactly. To show like gla- Gladiator, we're we're all just right. going to do an English accent. Russell Crowe showed up on set. He's like, I'm going to do Castilian, and I have to do kind of a lispy kind of a thing. And then Ridley Scott, who by the way produced this as well, um, is like, No, no, you, you can't do that. You can't do that lispy accent because Americans will freak out. So let's all do English accents. So I kind of grudgingly respect that. Uh, Dingus, you're the uh, authority here. And um, uh, oh, I can't believe it. Not Red Storm Rising. What's the Sean Connery as a Tom Russian Ch- captain? Tom Clancy. What's Red that? October. Seaman Beaumont. Hunt for Red October. Hunt for Red October, right. Uh, what, so that's Sean Connery just being Sean Connery. But other people on the ship are doing Russian accents, right? Yeah, well, the ones who um, a lot of them are Russians, so yeah. But there's he, a, he's, it, just, he's just going, uh, you Poroshke. Yeah, he's he's just doing. <laughs> and that's where they do the weird thing where they're talking Russian. They zoom in on his lips, and then they come out and and show. Okay, the rest of the movie, just remember they're Russians, but we're going to be speaking English now, right? Like that's yeah, that's Hunt for Red October, right? Yeah, kind of. 
It breaks the fourth wall to show that there is no fourth wall. Right, and I would say I do prefer, you know, just the standard, let's have Russian accents, than that kind of weird. I mean, that's, that was interesting at the time. I K-19, guess, it had Harrison Ford doing a Russian accent, and Liam Neeson's the first mate. He's Russian, but he just does a normal voice. Oh, is that what Harrison Ford was doing in K-19? I didn't realize. Yeah. Thanks for, I thought he had some sort of speech problem during that movie. I no, he's, a, he's doing Russian, the way Dwayne Johnson did um, Nicaragua. When did Dwayne Johnson do in the rundown? No, Furious Six. Uh, I have one one other weird thing that happened to me while watching this movie. Yes. Um, it, it, do you guys know the 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 recent um, news story that's going on right now about free range parents? <laughs> no, I can't wait. What is it? Free range parents? Free range parents. Free range parents. children. Um, so, uh, so, uh, a couple of people got, a couple of parents got in trouble, um, for letting their six year old and their 10 year old go off to the park that was like a mile and a half away from their house. Uh, but they just let them walk alone down the street. And so, um, the, those, those kids got, te- got, you know, people called the police. Those kids were taken to child protective services because the parents let them walk down to a park that was a mile like you know a good ways away from their home i mean i can understand the people in the community freaking out but it was this free-range parent kind of a thing have you not heard this free-range parent thing i don't even know where that phrase enters into the story All right. like well, they were they were like when you raise chickens you just let them run around you just on let them run around yeah. parenting. okay and so so the thing that that I, I mean, I'm really kind of keyed into this story because, you know, I've got a 10-year-old. And I'm thinking, you know, like, when do we, there's, there's other stories about, like, parents who let their kids take the subway at nine years old or whatever. Uh, and when you let your kid go out alone. And so the, the, this fear thing happens in this movie um, where, where uh, Raisa steps forward and says to uh, Gary Oldman's uh, wife, are you going to let your boys walk to school? Uh, how do they walk to school usually? Oh, they walk through the forest. Uh, okay, because you've already gotten the suspect. You're going to let them walk through the forest tomorrow? Uh, no. <laughs> so this this idea of parents letting their kids wander around or go to school on their own, it, it seemed particularly, um, I don't know, it just seemed very pertinent to what's going on right now in news, but neither of you know this, so never Well, no, no, I know, but the trick there was that she, she was going to make the kids take a different route through town rather than through the forest, because that's where they were being uh, waylaid by the killer. So, right. if she really believed that the killer was caught, which she didn't, uh, she would still let the, she would let them go back through the forest again. Exactly right. I that's right. what was being revealed there, yeah. Right, uh, I know that was being revealed there, but I was wondering if either one of you had any knowledge of this 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 news story that's going on right now of, of of these parents who let their kids go to school alone? Right, just the general stuff about uh, I, I I know the high level stuff about yeah that that happened and that the parents are in trouble for it and it brings from the woodwork people saying that's terrible that they did that on one hand and on the other hand people saying oh you know let kids you know I was when I was ten years old I used to walk to school and people exactly. should do that nowadays yeah. Yeah. Exactly, uh, but it was just awesome for me to see that this this mother manipulated by uh, R- Raisa into not doing that and into admitting or into getting uh, Gary Oldman to admit. All right, we don't actually have the suspect. Right, right. Yeah. So see, Kelly Wan, there was some clever detective skill going on in there. 
Yeah. Uh, what at the in Dingus's story? Yeah, and it was in the movie oh, where yeah, uh, where Raisa susses out that they don't actually believe they've got the killer. I feel yeah. that was like the same kid both times because it's like same train, same train tracks. And by the way, that's another thing that if I were to just explain the premise w- would be uh, fascinating. This um, uh, just that the the idea of a, a husband and wife uh, detective team in Soviet era in the Soviet Union. Like that, how can you go wrong with that? That's right. That's right. She doesn't help though. I love she that idea. Him. I love I that. I think idea. the movie wants her yeah. to be on equal footing with him, and they're like a team. Uh, I love yeah, that. And she, and she contributes in that moment. Right. I really like that. But yeah, um, uh, were you surprised that that was um, that was his actual kid? What? Oh, wait. Who was whose actual kid? I'm sorry. That that was Pat, Patty Considine's actual kid. Oh man, Maybe. I did sleep through that. What, what what was Patty Considine's actual? Kid? All right. So Patty Considine actually approaches a kid on the subway platform. And he says, are you on your own now? And they have this weird exchange. This is late in the movie. And he's like, yeah, mom's at home. Uh, all right, well, uh, do you have a collection? Or let's go home. Or, I, yeah, I, I did see that. I, I remember that scene. So then we find out that that's actually his son. And he winds up at home. I don't know if the collection one is the one. But he, he winds up at home with one of the kids he picks up. He walks into home, and mom's there. And you realize, oh. He's got a kid, and he's home with his kid. Oh, it's a reveal, like that. You think that, right? You think he's going to kidnap another kid, and it's just yeah. a reveal that he's just taking his son home. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly right. I don't. It's not. Maybe it's not the collection kid. I don't remember where it where it exists, but I remember him going to pick up this kid on the on the subway platform and going, "Are you alone? Yeah, mom's at home." Right. And and they and then he walks into the house, and it's this weird reveal, like, "Oh, he's got a kid." Uh, what surprised me, and what I didn't know, is I, I didn't realize you could waterboard yourself. <laughs> oh, Jesus. That made me almost laugh out loud. <laughs> that really was a little... Uh, it's like, does that oh, wait, I missed your work. <laughs> I came back in the middle of that, and I was a little confused. Well, what, what was the whole drowning thing? I don't... What was that? Well, I presume he waterboarded the kids to death. Like, that That seemed to be oh. the location. Um, what? Would, but isn't there another thing where they, he removed the stomach of one of them? Yeah, yeah, all of them, weren't they? Like that was his deal: is he would waterboard, like he would waterboard them to death, and then I guess do weird surgeon things on them. I guess you know, for a procedural, there was there wasn't a lot of specifics about. You know, normally in a procedural, you get into the grim details of the terrible things that have happened, and there wasn't well, a lot of that here. Yeah. Well, if you don't want to have to go through the real the nitty gritty of what you would have to do for a procedural nowadays, you could just set it an earlier time, and you don't have to do all the things that we could do now. I mean, he's like, oh, he just removed his stomach. We don't know. And there was also a, a surprise, uh, I guess, because for an R-rated movie, like, I thought there would be more, um, like, it, it didn't show the corpses very much. I thought there would be for shock value showing these, like, the the, the corpses of his victims. Right. There was yeah, yeah, why is that? Soft R. The, corp- the one corpse is the guy who committed suicide in front of the train, but otherwise... Oh, there is a there is a brief shot when they bring uh, Fraser Fraser's that well, that the actor's name I love that I think it was Fraser Fraser yeah 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 that dude's nice I like him. Uh, they they brought him in to see his son and he's stretched out on the steel table and they show the wound on his back um, yeah yeah and then you do see a glimpse of a foot in the forest when the homosexual guy finds a, a corpse um, but that's that nothing. That's nothing more than you see on CSI. Right, exactly, TV. exactly. Right. Uh, you think if you're making this really grim, bleak movie about a grim, bleak society with these these gory, terrible murders, that they might 
play up some of that shock value, but they just they didn't want to. Um, okay, let's do some over-unders. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to go first because I kind of cheesed out on this because I feel I have not seen Child 44, having dozed through certain scenes of it. So <laughs> my over-and-under are also movies I have not seen. Uh. My over, <clears throat> I feel that Gorky Park is better <laughs> than Child 44. I feel that way. I haven't actually seen it. Um, has either of you seen Gorky Park? No. Uh, yeah, I have, but it's been a ton of time. I mean, that's William Hurt, right? Yeah, it's William Hurt in yeah. the Soviet Union solving a crime, dealing with unique problems of solving crime in the Soviet Union, I guess. In the 80s. Yeah, it's yeah. a period piece. So I haven't seen it. I feel that it's better than Child 44. I don't it's know how closely I'm bracketing it. Um, uh, my Under, another movie I haven't seen, that I feel is probably worse than Child 44, uh, Russia House. <laughs> Why? Wait, that's probably better. <laughs> is it really better? Is it good? Is Russia House good? I, like, yeah. Isn't it uh, I haven't Sean seen it. Connery sure. and Michelle Pfeiffer playing yeah. Russians? No, he... Wait, she's Russian and he's American. I think I've seen chunks of it, and it's kind of good. Oh. Well, I, I think there's like a shooting in it. It's really Vegas, good. Can you, can, you, uh, can you help us on that one? Do you know Russia House? I have not. I have not seen her. She's Foxy. Not in, not in 20 years. I can't it's like into the night, but like glass nosed more. Oh, and so what he is he trying to like save her from? Is she trying to uh, defect or something or what's going it's on? It's like Sherlock Holmes too. It's actually that that you know what this is should be over. He's like a detective, I think. But I feel like Gorky Park is one of those movies that everybody loved. Um, mm, they like Russia House. Okay, well, sorry, I've done a terrible job with my over/under, but I just that was that was my gimmick. Movies I haven't seen, uh, I don't know how to bracket it because I do have this. Uh, He's this like shit. the Russian version of his uh, Name of the Rose character. Oh well, that's a great movie. So um, it's just Sherlock Holmes in all the movies. But I do I do have this sort of gag that I feel like if you've slipped through part of a movie, you, you haven't seen the movie, or if you've only seen parts of a movie, you haven't seen the movie. Well, really I know you haven't seen movie. The Godfather, and I know you haven't seen... Seen The Godfather. To really know a movie, I feel, you have to sit down and watch it all at once. You can't, like, have seen parts of it in one night, and then a later night you see other parts of it, and then some other time you see the rest of it. That's really? That's seen a movie. Yep. <clears throat> and you mm. certainly, if you, if you get up and leave during part of a movie, and then come back, you haven't seen all of it. <laughs> so therefore, you haven't seen it. What if you see it on TV? Dingus, by the way, at one point he had to get up. Dingus, and the, all listeners do this. If you get a text and you need to reply to it, get up, go out of the theater, deal with it, and then come back. Dingus very conscientiously did that during Child 44. But that means, like me, Dingus has not seen Child 44 because he missed about 60 seconds. I missed about 60 seconds. I went up to get a Coke, and then I came oh, back right, and I saw the waterboarding. So all three of us have not seen Child 44. We have to go back. No, we don't have to go back. And, I, and I'm just totally kidding. But I, I always hate that when I feel like, you know, I go to a movie and if I like really have to go to the bathroom or whatever, you know, you try to make it as quick as possible and you come back. But I'm always very aware of, you know, there's 90 seconds in this movie that I've missed and that always yeah. upset me. Yeah. yeah, me too. I missed right. a lot of Captain America because I had really bad diarrhea. Thanks for sharing, Kelly Wand. <laughs> Speaking of sharing, Kelly Wand, what is your movie over under for uh, Child 44? My over is Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. So it's it's a little bit better than Child 44, but not much, you're saying? Yeah, it's a Naomi Rapace movie about finding serial killers in bad weather that's better than... Ah, good. 
I, I do okay. like your conceit there. All right. Do you do you like the the original Girl with the Dragon Tattoo? Um, I've fallen asleep during that sometimes. Because I kind of don't. I mean, a lot of people do, but I kind of. I mean, I, I admire its style, but just as a oh. story, I don't. I don't like those movies. You know what? It, I like it better than it's a. Okay, it's an over because it's a better movie adapted from a book that feels like a book while I'm watching the movie that I haven't read. Like this will probably be good if it was a book. Well, fair enough. But I'm curious though. I mean, do you actually like Girl with a Dragon Tattoo? Uh, I don't think I've seen the whole thing, but oh, it's oh, like okay. the parts I've seen. I go, well, you know, I can see where this would be good if you're reading it. All right. And uh, I know D- Dingus has, but have you seen the Fincher adaptation? Or the Fincher? That's yeah. the one I've seen parts of, and I haven't seen the other one. So actually... Oh, wait, Numi Rapace is in the original one, though, right? Right, so my over is a movie I haven't seen, actually. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, okay, so what is your under? What's a movie that is worse than Child 44, according to Criteria, which I believe is Hunting Down a Serial Killer in Bad Weather? Uh, Reds, because uh, it was another movie about Russia where I didn't know why I was watching it. The like Warren Beatty one with Diane yeah. Keaton and uh, all right. Yeah, I watched it and I went, uh, "Wait, feel- what? Why? Who? What? Huh? What am I? What am I supposed to be feeling right now? I'm glad they saw each other on the train." In uh, Reds, he plays, right. if I'm not mistaken, he isn't he an American who goes over during the Russian Revolution and like helps yeah. overthrow or, or, or is instrumental in being part of the movement? Isn't that what's going on? through his writing that we don't read and then there's interviews and then he runs when everybody else runs like across a field while guns go off it was it's basically a biopic about an american who participated in the, in the Russian 20s. Revolution, right right yeah yeah it's just not good i don't know all right jack nicholson's in it as another american i think all i know about reds is i've never seen it is it's isn't it something like it Beatty directed it i think it's like three hours yeah. long right wrote it and produced it and directed it and started it don't forget, he also acted in it. That can be the hardest part, Kelly Wand. And Jack Nicholson drives with his uh, feet. Hmm. All right. All right, so uh, Kelly Wand's over is uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and his under is Reds. <laughs> Dingus, what do you got? Over and under? Did I mention the diary I had during the... Okay. Yes. Uh, Dingus, you're over and under for Child 44. Are? All right, so... Uh... I really failed with the bracketing this time. It's just real, it's, real quick. Things hold that thought because I want to, someone pointed out rightly so. Uh, this whole bracketing idea that I have it kind of is pointless when we're talking about movies that we don't like because um, like it's it's a it's a more interesting exercise when we're doing it for movies we do like to try to nestle in closely. What's something that's not quite as good as this, and what's something that's a little yeah. better than this? When we're just talking about bad movies, it's kind of like yeah, what's the, what's the point? Anything's um, worse than yeah, or nothing's worse. And why would you bring up, yeah, in like levels of badness? Um, so, Dingus, you said you had a hard time with bracketing. How did, how did you deal with this? Yeah. Uh, well, I, the, the one, one of the things that one of the people commented and said, um, I, I disagreed with, as far as last week, with Ex Machina, because the, the thing I'm choosing below is not that far below. So it's still worth watching. So the person was saying, uh, I listen to your show and I'm listening for more things to see that you guys, because you guys give me so many new ideas to watch. Uh, and if it's something that's below what you just watched, why would I even watch it? But something that's slightly below Ex Machina is still really valuable right, right. to all of us. I mean, uh, you know, unless, you know, Kelly's picking, you know, the, uh, the Lazarus effect. Um, but, but, it, 
if we're going to bracket it for something that we really like, that is really it's still valuable to watch something below because we're we're just saying, I love this movie and I also love this movie. It's just not as high on my list as that movie. So so I'm not saying that anything below is not worth watching. So you should know that. But you're right with with something like this. How the I don't, I don't know what the what to do. Right, and these, are, and these are definitely aren't recommendations. Like, when we're talking about a great movie, you can definitely take both of them, if we're trying to bracket them closely, take both of the movies as recommendations. In this instance, where we all hated Child 44, the idea is I think you don't take either of the movies as recommendations. Wait, yeah, can you, I change my over to Lazarus Effect for Child? Cannot. Nope, sorry. <laughs> we locked in your answer. It's all right. Uh, you, you can take my over as a recommendation because I'm, it's, it's going to be ridiculous. It's ridiculously high. But for oh. the under, it doesn't matter. Okay. Uh, so the under for this is, as I was watching this movie, and this is, and I said this earlier in the podcast, is I didn't realize we were watching what, what is essentially uh, a potboiler like James Patterson movie. Right. And so I just picked Kiss the Girls because it's, it, it, I mean, <laughs> I, I thought about Copycat or any other crappy serial oh, killer gosh. movie. But, but this, I didn't realize what I was sitting down to see was this serial killer potboiler. I thought I was, I thought I was coming in to see it. I mean, when you look at the title, Child 44 looks like something that would be like a Hitman movie, but maybe amped up. Um, I mean, it's got a number in it. It, it. it might be a kid who's been programmed to do this and that. It might be science fiction. But, uh, there's so many possibilities. And then you sit down there and you watch, and it's just like, oh, they're chasing down. Okay, fuck that. Uh, so Kiss the Girls is the under. doesn't really okay. matter. So my, uh, so my over is, and this is not pointed at you, Tom, because um, – I, and I, I honestly don't mean this as as a as a as a dig at you. I honestly don't. No, dig away, dingus. I, I can't wait. Bring it, yeah. Come uh, at me, bro. Because I, I kind of nodded off for a moment, and I did get up and go check my texts and come back in. So uh, I understand that 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 your your rule of well, you haven't seen the movie then. Right. So um, so I pick a movie based on my favorite, my absolute favorite. Uh, terrible critic review of a movie and that this is this is my my feeling that this critic slept through the movie and and it is thematically related to this movie so this is this is the my over would be the movie let me in um uh, oh, I'm sorry. Let the right win in. Oh, geez, oh, I can't believe it. oh my that. God! Yeah. Oh, yeah. So oh. let the right win in. And famously, uh, Owen Gleiberman uh, did a review of this that Ew. where he was very clearly yeah. he very clearly slept through the movie. He said there, there's a serial killer who kills a guy out in the woods for no apparent reason. Right. <laughs> And yeah. it's clear that he just wasn't there for that part of the movie. Wait, he slept through that part he but he was at a film festival. So, I, I mean, I can kind of understand, and I, I, I don't care for Owen Cleaverman as a writer, but I, I that, that little bit of writing where the, the serial killer kills somebody for no apparent reason, uh, you kind of miss the point of the entire movie. Either you didn't see it or you slept through it. And so uh, I kind of slept through a little bit of this movie – and walked out of it, and so I sort of felt a little guilty about that. So uh, in choosing it over, I tried to bracket as close as possible, but it's, it's not possible. Uh, Let the Right One In is far above this, so it's really crappy of me to choose that. But uh, anyway, I, I couldn't think of something close that was above it. I so. do like to think of Tom. 
Well, I do like to think that there are moments in Child 44 where I think and I were both napping pleasantly, oh. side by side. Uh, the movie. <laughs> uh, so there is that film festival thing, though, where you go to – at least when I go to film festivals, I want to see as many movies as I can. So you do the thing where you go to a midnight screening, you know, so you're up till 2.30, and then you get up super early to go to like an 8 a.m. screening, uh, and then you see movies all day, and invariably you will probably doze through some of them. So I can I feel sorry for Mr. Kleberman. Yeah, me too. I can, I kind of feel for him, but but if you're missing the point of a movie like Let the Right One In, I right. feel. Oh my god! The, the, the trick is to sleep through the really crappy ones because <laughs> yeah. my the, the the for me the loss of innocence about film festivals is how many crappy movies get get screened at film festivals, and as long right. as you can limit your sleeping to the really bad movies, you're you're doing fine. Yeah. Right. 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 Uh, all right. So. Uh, while I was surprised to learn uh, that you can waterboard yourself in Child 44, Kelly Wand, was there anything that you were surprised to learn about in Child 44? If I found out I was having a kid right now, the kid and I would both beg for a firing squad. One, two, three, not only you and me, got one made of your and I'm pulling between counting. One, two, three, la, 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 la. three, getting down everybody else. All right, well, let's do a three-by-three. Three. By the way, Dingus, you mentioned the titles, thinking it would be like something about science fiction or uh, what I thought of with Child 44. There's a horror movie called Case 39. Does either of you guys know that movie? No. I know I am number four, and that's what Dingus I thought was thinking. What's ah, that's, that's science fiction, absolutely. Well, Case 39 okay. is... Uh, it's it's Renee Zellweger. She's a an orphanage worker, whatever a social worker who, you know, deals with like uh, children at orphanages or whatever. And uh, <laughs> one 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 Friday evening or whatever, she's she's about to leave for the weekend. The boss comes in and he's like, you know what? I got this case for you. And she's like, and it's, the scene literally goes like this. She's she says, you know, I've already got thirty eight cases. Oh, I can't do another uh, one. And he's like, nope. Here you go, case thirty nine. Um, in case thirty nine. Yes. I was just going to say, you saw that. I remember you. I forget what you said. Go on. Yeah, well, Case 39 has uh, – the case is Jodell Furland, who is a, an actress who is amazing in a, a – Oh, that's Gilliam, right. Yeah. Yeah, Terry Gilliam movie called uh, uh, Riverland, I think. Um, Tideland. 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 Uh, and it turns out that Jodell Furland is a, is a like a demon or something. Um, but what's awesome in Case 39, there's a scene where Bradley Cooper, who plays a child psychologist, is interviewing her. And if you ever want to see Bradley Cooper get totally pwned, uh, Joe Del Ferland does that to him in Case 39. It's a great Acting-wise or the character? Um, actually, kind of both, because Joe Del Ferland is really gifted. She's quite the actress, um, and uh, the character as well. Like, he's supposed to be sort of getting some insight into her and finding out what's going on with her. And because she's a little preternaturally wise demon, uh, she totally turns it around on him. Yeah. Hmm. All right, so uh, let's do a three-by-three three on uh, – what shall it be, Dingus? What do we got this week? I believe this will be your three favorite news reports or uh, newscasts. Mm-hmm. All right, and uh, what inspired this? Is it de- So did you take off the table uh, a certain movie that – I forget if you took one off the table that I think inspired this. Uh, I didn't take anything off the table. I just okay. said that the gunman – began with a terrible news newscast and and then there was another thing that happened because in preparing for 
watching Fury 7, I watched all of those movies, and uh, and there was one in particular, there was a one news report in that that particularly delighted me, but I, I didn't take anything off the table. Okay, and we loved it because it had, uh, I think the character's name is Perd Happley from uh, Parks and Recreation. Is exactly, it? yeah, it had Re- Perd Happley. Fast and Furious, yeah. Yeah. So and, I, didn't really, and, I didn't know if that was taken off the table or not. Um, no, no, it, it was not taken off the table, but I, I didn't include it because it, I just, I, I showed it to you because it was, it, but it, it was just such a delight to see that yeah. dude show up, and and also it was I think that was the, in the fifth movie, and by the time you get to number five of those movies, in one week you're kind of like, okay, I'm getting a little tired. Oh, Purd <laughs> from Parks and Rec. Thank you, Purd. Let me get Tom in here to see this. That was great. Yeah. All right. Well, Kelly Wand, you're introducing next week's three by three. So why don't you start us off with your third favorite newscast from a movie? My number three is the movie The Howling, where Dee Wallace um, becomes a werewolf in the middle of her. She's like the anchor woman. Mm-hmm. And uh, her last story is busting a serial killer. She's not an anchor woman, by the way, but go ahead. Yeah, she is, isn't she? She's a reporter. No, she's definitely a reporter, right. But she's reading the news at the end, so that means. Uh, no, not at all. No. Because this is my number two pick. I love the scene. I rewatched The Howling this week, and uh, I, I love this scene. This is my number two. There's only one better that I can think of. But uh, well, holy cats! I've never even seen this movie. I feel terrible. Ah, it's so good. It's right before ET too. So it's like hot young D. Wallace mom. That's she right. really is. I mean, they they definitely cast her because there's a, a kind of a, a little Red Riding Hood innocence quality to her yeah. that they wanted to capture in this werewolf story. Uh, and boy, does and she kind of wolf she turns into. That. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's this weird, cute little poodle, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I also why, like, does she, why does she turn into a wolf? What's going on? All right. Well, the howling is... Uh, Kelly, one, actually, do you want to talk about like, the, the howling? No, because it sounds like you remember it better, but I'll tell you why. Well, I, I like didn't that. remember it. I, I watched it a couple of days ago, um, and I, there were a lot of things I didn't remember about it. The howling is actually... A, a, I don't know if it's a classic, but it, 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 yeah. it's a lot to recommend it. Um, so... A couple of things about The Howling. It's Joe Dante. It's pre-Gremlins, uh, but it, oh. it got him the uh, sort of studio cachet. It did well enough that he got to do Gremlins because of The Howling. And Twilight Zone. Um, and it's also written by John Sayles. Oh, uh, yeah. It's based on a, just a sort of a, a regular old werewolf novel, but John Sayles and Joe Dante had previously worked together on Piranha, um, which isn't very good, but you can see some of Joe Dante's talent. You can see John Sayles not wanting to do just a regular horror movie script. Um, Piranha is pretty terrible, but it's sort of interesting to watch them. It's weird. It's weird, yeah, and, it, and that's, that's weird that exists. to recommend, yeah. yeah. Um, so they worked on The Howling together, uh, and the premise of The Howling is uh, – and The Howling has, is weird too, which is it, its main appeal uh, – is that a, a, a reporter helps – um, out a serial killer uh, early on in the movie because the serial killer has been contacting her. He's obviously infatuated with her. Uh, and it turns out there's something mysterious about the serial killer. So uh, she agrees to meet him and the police monitor the meeting. And during the meeting, the serial killer gets shot and killed. But something, we're not sure what, really traumatic has happened to her and she has blocked it out of her mind. Um, so she can't quite remember what happened. But the police got the killer, and they're fine. So the, the TV station is going to, because she's a reporter, they're going to bring her on the air to talk about it. And when she gets on the air, she totally blacks out. <clears throat> she kind of panics, uh, and she just freezes up and doesn't say anything. So a psychiatrist recommends 
she goes to a, a kind of like a uh, – they even call it a colony, but it's uh, it's like a retreat. Yeah. Uh, and this is set in L.A., and the retreat seems to be like up in the Big Sur area or something like that. Uh, and it turns out that this retreat, this colony, is a community of werewolves. Uh, <laughs> so over the course of the movie – uh, which has some really good werewolf makeup, by the way. Yes, uh, it predates American Werewolf. It does not quite. Uh, it, it's kind of concurrent with it, Kelly. When it came out before American Werewolf, but I didn't realize this. Um, Rick Baker, who did American Werewolf in London, uh, and is sort of famous for that transformation scene, he originally was working on The Howling, but uh, he left to go work on American. John, John Landis lured him away, and he went to, to work on American Werewolf in London. I think he got an Academy Award for effects. I liked it better, yeah, because you could see it better. Well, but what happened was when he left, one of his young protégés took over on The Howling, and that guy's name was Rob Bottin. Oh. Oh. Boom. Who famously went on to do The Thing, and things even as recently as Fight. Crazy year. Yeah, like like Rob Rob Bottin and Rick Baker both did a lot of famous, well-recognized work in prosthetics. Yeah. and you can see, I think the transformation scenes in The Howling, um, I would say, Kelly Wan, that they are about as good as American Werewolf in London. I want to see them again. I remember th- – I saw them back-to-back, like, just at the theater and thinking American Werewolf is a little more – just lovingly. Definitely, like, really. definitely. And the way it leads up to it, like, I liked the movie better, too, so maybe that kind of tricked me. Like, there was a lot of werewolf. There was a That's, lot of crazy shit in American Werewolf. Yeah, American Werewolf in London's definitely got some... It's, it's really John Landis at his best. Yeah. And that the howling is Joe Dante sort of getting his gremlin's feet under him. Yeah. Like, he's not quite there. Um, and it's the same with, with Rob Bottin. Is he's doing some really cool stuff with latex. And this, the, the stuff that he does in the howling that you don't see in American Werewolf, and that will be a, a sort of a feature in the thing is he will put air bladders under latex and make it look like somebody's face or body uh, is doing this weird pulsing. And yeah, distending. Um, So there are some really, you know, the transformation effects in the Howling are good, and there's some just really weird stuff in there. I just remember being not as well lit, like a porno, (laughs) the way we're a werewolf. You definitely, yeah, like the the transformation of... uh, David Naughton, what's the guy's yeah. name? Anyway, his transformation is in broad, it's in, it's brightly lit, you can clearly yeah. see it. The Howling does that thing where a lot of stuff, it's either fog or darkness, or you only see a little tiny piece of something. Um, so yeah, they're, they're, it's, it's more primitive, I guess. But it really looks good, and, and what I think The Howling has uh, is some really imaginatively horrific, uh, like, monster effects. Yeah, and it is a horror movie. Like, American World is just kind of a, a wacky vision quest. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, and this is clearly a horror movie where some of the – like the serial killer werewolf who comes back from the dead, like he gets burned with acid and he looks really yeah. scary. And they do these things with their eyes that look weird and um, – yeah. That's a so, weird ending too. Yeah. So anyway, Dingus, uh, everybody's seen that. If you're going to see The Howling, you've probably seen it by now. But what happens is in the course of being at this colony, um, she discovers, you know, hey, there's something not quite right here. And uh, as she's escaping – uh, you know, she loses her husband. He becomes a werewolf. Uh, he gets indoctrinated in the community. Um, as Dee Wallace is escaping, uh, she gets scratched by a werewolf. And so, as we know, as the rules have established, that means she's infected. So, what she does at the end of the movie um, to, to out the colony, which has been burned down, by the way. Like, she burns it down when she leaves. Uh, but she wants to make clear that the world knows what's happened. Uh is she agrees to come on to the newscast 
to talk about um, you know this fire that happened at this colony. And on the newscast, uh, and in this in this world of werewolves, by the way, they can transform uh, whenever they want. Oh, uh, okay. okay. So she comes on the newscast and she says, uh, "Yes, I was at this fire, um, and I, I think you know." She, she gives a little speech about how humanity consists of us trying to overcome our animal nature, but there's some people who don't have that choice, uh, whose animal nature will drive them, um, and to prove that. If this is actually happening, uh, I want to show you something. So she transforms on the air to a werewolf. Uh, what? And yep. And her, her producer, who or the guy who helped rescue her, then shoots her dead with a silver bullet. Uh, and it's all on the air of this newscast. Uh, but Kelly Wan, do you remember? So I don't know if this is what you're talking about when you said the the ending is weird. Do you remember like what this results in? Like what the message of the movie is? No, I just remember kids watching it and going, "Hey, mom, check this shit." News yeah, yeah, so, uh, yeah. The mom, the news lady's turned into a werewolf. Yeah, so people, it, it cuts around to people watching the newscast and dismissing it because of special effects. <laughs> it, it cuts <laughs> to a bar where people are like, "Wow, special effects these days." Uh, oh. So nobody believes her. Like, it's like she's escaped. She's she's sacrificed herself. She's dead, uh, but nobody believes her. See, I just remember liking it because I thought. It'd be cool if you were the kid and you're like, "Oh my God, she kept the serial killer died. That's crazy." And then you just like go, you like don't watch the news for a week, and then you turn it back on and like, oh, I guess the serial killer thing is the last cool thing that'll happen on the news. And then that happens, and that would be like really great. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, who is a yeah, uh, he he plays her, the produ- the news producer. Uh, and as soon as she transforms and then gets shot on the air because everybody's panicking, he's like, "You know, cut away, cut away." Uh, and they cut away to a dog food commercial with this like this like really gross brown dollops of meat in a being dipped into being dumped into a dog food bowl. Oh wow! Uh, Subtext, Ingus. There you go. Well, that, that just reminds me of of anything any of those. Uh, I'm going to make the Statue of Liberty disappear on television. Why would I watch that? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I know. I know how TV works. You can just wipe it. Well, I could just turn doing? the TV off. I wanted. To. So I, I love that. That's a comment on that. Does she oh. talk to the producer first to tell him? Oh no, no. That's the Uh-oh. thing. Is when she escapes and the, her friend who helped her escape, uh, they don't. They don't say anything to anyone. It's a big surprise, and that's why you Kevin McCarthy know. is like, "Oh my God, cut away!" Yeah, they don't know. Yeah. Well, how does the producer have a silver bullet then? Oh well, no. The guy who went. So she's at the colony, and she calls her friend. Um, to come rescue her, and he knows that they, they've been studying. You know, there's scenes of people doing research. Uh, oh, okay. He knows, uh, he knows that there's a werewolf. There's, you know, some threat of werewolves. So he buys silver bullets, and then he goes up to rescue her. And he's got silver bullets, and he has to shoot some of the werewolves when he rescues her, but she still gets scratched. So this he's isn't the which is the famous one that has the awesome werewolf lesbian scene. Ginger snaps. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, Catherine Isabel and Elizabeth Perkins. I thought that was the Howl- Howling. I thought one of the Howling Wait, ones. Is Howling 2? Or Shannon maybe that's Howl- that one? You might be right, Daniel. So there are five Howlings overall, right. I believe, and I don't think I've seen any of the other ones beyond one. So there I might be. Shannon Tweed. Isn't Shannon Tweed in Howling 2? Oh, it? that sounds hot. I know. And actually, Ginger Snaps, I don't think, is a lesbian thing. It's two girlfriends. It's more of the, the subtext it's, there is girls hitting, is girls going through puberty in Ginger like Snaps. Like Broad City. Yeah. I, I don't think it's it, so. I don't I know. There was like one called the Howling and one called Howl or something. 
Well, there's uh, what's the Albert Finney <laughs> one? Her. Kelly Wand. Wolf. Wolfen. Yeah, yeah. Gregory Hines. He goes. One day you might wake up dead or something. Yeah, I don't think there's lesbians in that one though. Um, that we know of. Well, there's right. like Tom. You get to choose your number three. Yeah, so, uh, so Kelly Wan stole my number two, uh, my number three favorite newscast. Uh, and actually I don't, I watched this again recently, and, uh, things, I think you say you've got a soft spot for this movie, in which case all I can do is sort of shake my head and <laughs> piss. Uh, in contact, they use actual CNN anchors. Um, you know, and, and, and as anybody who sort of grew up around that time or was watching news in that time, watching CNN, uh, it is so weird to watch Contact and see Bernard Shaw, uh, Bob Novak, and John Holloman all doing fake newscasts about the alien transmission that Jodie Foster has received. Uh, and it's weird because after Contact, CNN decided uh, our news anchors can't do this stuff. You know, we are, we are not going to allow this anymore. Uh, it, it's just, you know, Bob Zemeckis, he did a great job bringing in real anchors to make, to give the movie this, this, this ring of authenticity. Uh, but then afterwards, CNN was like, nope, you, Bernard, really? Bernie Shaw, you can't do that anymore. Yeah. Cause Clinton's in it too. They didn't go, all right, presidency, science fiction. They actually did. So Clinton, they used footage of a speech Clinton was giving about finding a meteorite that had landed. That at the time, scientists thought it might be a piece of uh, rock from Mars. Um, So Clinton gave a speech about it, and Bob Zemeckis used footage of that and edited around it to make it seem like Clinton was talking about the alien transmissions, the signals they were receiving. Look at Forrest Gump. But the White House shortly thereafter did issue – they didn't ask him to pull it or anything – but they did say, uh, please don't do that with with the president. You know, that this – we're not cool with this. Wait, the president? Please don't. I mean, the White House did issue a statement to Bob. Uh, I guess the studio. They did. Yeah, yeah. Saying we we don't approve of this. We'd rather you didn't do this. They didn't take any legal action, but they definitely made it clear that they weren't happy with Zemeckis using footage of Clinton. Uh, and I think uh, because the footage was used out of context. Um, that's you know all right. That's so weird. at any rate, it's kind of cool to go back and watch Contact and see these scenes with you know it's just so weird seeing Bernie Shaw talking about alien transmissions. Um, to Germany go, please don't use Hitler as uh, proof of alien intelligence. You know, the, the funny thing is uh, Larry King is in, of course, contact as well. But Larry King is such a freaking slut. That guy will do any kind of TV or movie about yeah. – he'll lend himself out to any – Sharknado. Yeah, Larry King would be on Sharknado. He's all over the place. Uh, I think he gets eaten on it. So, Dingus, am I correct? Are you saying you 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 were like – you're kind of overall thumbs up about contact? There's good parts of contact. It's just a shitty ending. No, I I liked Contact when I saw it. Yeah, very much. Oh, okay. You're not you're not saying because I I think it's uh, yeah it's. Um, I like a little. Did journey. you just watch it again? I did. Yeah, yeah. I think wow. it's super schmaltzy. You know what? It's oh yeah. in my in my my uh, my post Interstellar glow because I'm super fond of Interstellar. I wanted to see Contact again, um, and I don't I don't think it holds up at all. Uh, I like the middle, and I like the first part of her little trip, but. In the book, it's like she goes with a bunch of other people. Yeah, right, right. It's a whole group of them, right? Yeah. It's kind of a different vibe. Yeah. All right, Dingus, so what is your number three? So basically, it's no one specific uh, newscast. If I had to pick one of them, it would be the Bernie Shaw one. But it's just the fact that you have actual CNN anchors talking about alien transmissions. 
uh, that's that really stands out for me in contact. But not the actual Jake Busey explosion part. Oh, good lord. Jake, poor Jake Busey, man. Yeah. cast forever. All right, so Dingus, what is your number three favorite newscast? All right, well, I love that you actually brought up real newscasters, mm-hmm. because I, I would like to bring up two names for you, Kent Shocknick and Sharon Tay. Those real names. <sighs> Wait a minute, that sounds really familiar. Wait, that was, oh, I know what it is. What, what is it, Kelly Wand? It's from uh, Nightcrawler. Yeah. So, um, the... So the the idea that you brought up uh, actual newscasters used uh, made me very happy just now, uh, and that uh, I I had no idea that with contact that who did you say it was CBS CNN CNN did oh not CNN want their anchors yeah All right I think CBS is is who Ken Shonick or so but anyway um, the the idea that they said no you guys can't do this this anymore and that that Kent Shocknick and Sharon Tay were actually in the movie and they are actual newscasters. I love that fact about it because as I was sitting there watching Nightcrawler, I just kept watching these people have to be real people, uh, but not real people, but kind of real people, but real people in the, the idea of this. And the actual newscast that I'm talking about is the, is the one where, where Kent Shocknick, Shocknick has to actually say for the first time the, the lines about, what what um, Jake Gyllenhaal's company is called? He has to give and him the, credit for the footage he's provided. He actually has to give him credit, and you know, and if I, I I I can't remember what the actual line is where where my favorite line is where Jake Gyllenhaal's walking down the hall and goes, "Oh, th- that's your tie. It must be this specific day." Um, and I love, I just love the interplay between those guys, and uh, not just those guys, but between the actual newscasters. And the actors in, in uh, specifically in um, Jake Gyllenhaal, but, but when he's actually having to go and, and having to do that little thing where they put the bug in at the bottom of the screen, where he says what the name of the video company is. So it's that specific newscast where they first have to, when they're going into the house, and they have to, and they have to say this is the name of the video company. We're giving credit to that video company, and they have to do that seamlessly. That's kind of a great beat because that's where he kind of feels like he knows he's made it or like he's striving for respectability or recognition, I guess. Exactly. Uh, it's a little bit of an unfair choice because that whole movie is basically about that. Uh, but that specific one is the one I love the most. Yeah, so I didn't – I when you guys did the podcast, I seem to recall like you were – you were basically saying, and I could be misremembering, but you're basically saying that this culture of local news, um, you know, d- does it even exist or is it even relevant anymore? Um, uh, that's kind of it, it. It's just it's not something that is a part of my life at all. Yeah, it's me not either. Something that I understand right, right. at all or that right. I watch at all. But what I love about the movie and what I love about the the world that. Uh, is it Dan Gilroy? Is that the name of the director? Yes. Um, what what I love about the world that he creates is that this is a this is a world where local news is relevant, and I'm just going I'm unapologetically going to create this world, and that's it. Well, but and that's I, it. I don't I don't I don't know, but I don't think he's creating it. I mean, I'm sure because local news still exists. I'm sure there are some people who. Do watch local news and Older do know people. it. Oh, I, I, know, I know you're right about that. I mean, my parents are, are some of those people who do that, but right. But the, and, but they they are not going to go see Nightcrawler. I am. I right, will right, go. Right, right. 
see it. Oh, create and, this world isn't create it for this movie. Like, exactly, recreate exactly. it for this movie. Right, I see what you're saying. That, he's, right. he's doing world building for me, who is a person who consumes his news daily, m- minutely, hourly, online. Um, and I, I don't watch news on television. In fact, I don't subscribe to cable or any sort of... Uh, I only get my news online. That's it. And that's also in the howling that's odd because there's all kinds of scenes where people are supposed to recognize Dee Wallace from being on TV as yeah. a reporter. And nowadays, you know, that, that just doesn't exist anymore. I mean, the howling is from, what, 1980 or whatever. Right. Um, and, I, and I think what Dan Gilroy is doing is is just unapologetically going, all right, I'm creating this world where this is super important. And these guys, this is how they make their living. And this is absolutely important to them. And I love that he, he just does it. Boom. Right. Uh, that was that's one of the things that I was crazy about with Nightcrawler. By the way, local news in L.A. in Nightcrawler and The Howling. That's also it was a local newscast in L.A. when she turns into a were poodle. <laughs> were poodle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kelly Wan, what is your number two favorite newscast on in a movie? That'd be on Animal Planet. Sorry, I thought of that before, but I didn't. Oh, my number two is uh, in Starship Troopers, and the guy got eaten by the bug. It's, uh, on that planet, I thought that was cool. Do you want to elaborate more? I'm not sure what you're talking about. In Starship Troopers, there's like a flash forward at the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. where the guy's like interviewing uh, the soldiers, going, "You should leave the area," and then like a giant bug comes and like chops them up. I thought that was cool. Okay, I'd like to see that on the news. You don't generally see that sort of thing on the news, do you? Not often enough. Uh, all right. Uh, my number two is The Howling. Uh, so, Dingus, that comes to you. What is your number two second favorite new- newscast in a movie? All right, my number two is far less trenchant than my number three, but it, I love it more just because I love the joke, and it's really just a joke. Um, and I'm sure Tom will know exactly what I'm talking about. It's it's from the movie Schizopolis, and oh, um, I know I knew you would say that. And it's 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 a news. It's a news report about the fact that um, that we've decided to sell Rhode Island um, for eighteen billion dollars <laughs> to a what? group of. We, we've decided to sell Rhode Island for no, I, yeah. for eighteen billion dollars to a group of. It's it's a news report that's Rhode telling Island. this. Uh, we've decided to sell Rhode Island for eighteen billion dollars to a group of private investors, and they're going to make it into a closed roof shopping mall. Um, and this is a, a news report. And the and the funny point and and this this is kind of based on what was going on at that particular point in America. <laughs> um, the 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 joke that Steven Soderbergh made in that is is the the uh, the news anchor she she says without blinking. At, well, at least we didn't sell it to the fucking Japanese. And the idea that this news reporter just says. At least we didn't sell it to the fucking Japanese. It was this a great little goofy joke? Um, so that's it. All right, you can't say that on the news, though. You can't. But in 1996, the idea of selling Rhode Island to the Japanese was a funny. It was a funny right. little joke. Kelly, one of you a Schizopolis fan? Yeah, I don't remember that part. Hmm. I thought uh, that we already. Oh, it's one of my favorite things. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I I'm I love Schizopolis. I I. I I've brought Schizopolis up on three way things before because of language, because they make up a whole bunch of weird languages stuff. And, uh, I, I just think that Steven Soderbergh deciding to, I'm just going to run off and do this bizarre fucking movie. 
uh, I, I love that so much and that little joke and that uh, he does a number of newscasts, but that's my favorite newscast in Skizopolis. Karen, what is your favorite newscast in a movie of all time? I like in the Robert Zemeckis movie Used Cars when they like hijack the news to do that car. Not commercial. a newscast; it's a commercial. Yeah, but they're interviewing the president, Jimmy Carter, I think. Yeah, but the oh, so you like the actual interview? You don't? You're not talking about the commercial that they use to hijack? It's you like the newscast that gets hijacked? Wait, I thought they were hijacking a newscast. Right, but to, to to put on a commercial for their their used car dealership. Yeah, but they all the people watching it still think it's the news, so it's still technically a newscast to the people watching. I'm pretty sure they know that it, it's somebody shilling a used car dealership. Then they then their guy goes, "Did you hear what I said?" And then it cuts back to Jimmy Carter, and he's all, "I've heard what you have said." So then that's part of the newscast too. Huh. So it's like so they this use is the one of your this is one of your favorite hijackings. Yeah, and presidencies. Thing is, do we accept this as a favorite newscast? Uh, it's Kelly Wand. What can we do? Good point. Exactly. Uh, my favorite is a classic, and if any listeners wrote in, I imagine we'll be hearing about this one. Uh, and, it, and it holds up. So it's it's a local newscast. It's a New York. Or, yeah, it's got to be. It's New York. Um, and it's definitely a time. It, it, it's it's definitely a period piece. I think the movie's like seventy five or whatever. Uh, and it's from a time when local news was far more relevant to everyone. Uh, it would never happen nowadays. Watching this scene again, it makes no sense in a modern context. Uh, so we can safely assume that Network will never be remade. Um, because that scene where Peter Finch <laughs> does the uh, go to the window and yell, you know, you're mad as hell and you're not going to take it anymore. That could never happen these days. Because people go to the windows and people all over New York are leaning out their windows yelling, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore because Peter Finch has said this on a live broadcast. Right. Um, but I still love the intent behind that scene. Uh, I think overall, uh, as a movie, it's a, a Sidney Lumet directed it. It's a Patty Chayefsky script. Um, you know, as a, as a message, it's this great observation on the culture of television. Uh, network is both uh, prescient and dated at this point. Uh, I don't think Network holds up very well, but that's still a really powerful scene, mainly because Peter Finch is so good, by the way. Um, so that would be my favorite newscast, is when Peter Finch, as Howard Beale, he's a guy who's having a breakdown on live TV. Uh, he has earlier threatened to, to commit to kill himself on, on, on TV. Uh, he has this breakdown. He gets up from behind the desk. He's, you know, walking through the, the studio and ranting, and you get a sense of the chaos as they're trying to move the camera around to follow him. Uh, you know, the stage workers are trying to duck to get out of his way. Uh, I, I still, I love that scene. Um, but so there's, there's my favorite one, uh, is Network. Doesn't he get killed by the Black Panthers? Yes, yeah, so at the end, and that's part of the black humor of it, uh, is the, uh, I should say dark humor of it, uh, at the end, <laughs> uh, they, he does get killed on live TV. Uh, now but, someone's but the thing is, the point is, at the end, is when he gets killed on live TV, he's completely like nobody's interested in him anymore. Like it, when he was originally right. going to do it, it, it was a, a ratings frenzy and it was the height of his popularity. And when he does actually get killed on TV, he's a non-entity at that point. That's sort of the uh, the irony. They're like, of oh, it's the mad as hell guy. I right. just, yeah. I, career move. Yeah. But now, wait, you said that like. Now, if New Yorkers scream, I'm mad as hell, I'm not going to take any more. Well, now nobody's going to be watching the same program at the same time. You know, Or you just go, oh, that guy just saw Network. 
that's what he's screaming about. I like network. Network. <laughs> just, just this idea of television as a unifying force, a unifying cultural force, no longer exists. It's so splintered, you know. People use DVRs. They watch things that are streaming on the Internet. You know, YouTube has supplanted network television. Um, right. So there's no sense of, 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 of a unifying uh, force to television anymore. It's completely fractured. Uh, I always thought... With like before when I was a kid, a network came out. Like it seemed like a weird thing to be his like touchstone to success. Like oh, he says he's mad as hell and he's not going to take anymore. That's what speaks to people. Like that was his line. Like didn't he say crazier shit than that? Well, it's so too. Yeah, I mean, it's such this general. It seems like a dated vague disaffectation about you know. I think they even talk about the oil crisis, and I mean, and it's all very vague. I mean, he's just a. You're going to take what anymore? Right, right, exactly. Right. And he even says things like, you know, the, it's a famous monologue. He says things like, I'm not going to tell you to write your congressman. I'm not going to tell you to rally. I'm not going to tell you to try to fight for change. Just go to the window and scream. Uh, you know, what What good is that going to be? He was like Glenn Beck for the 70s. Well, that's how it's prescient, is there's this right. you know, rabble, this sort of ineffectual rabble-rousing behind what he's doing. But then those people hadn't seen that work. They're like, oh. And Glenn Beck didn't exist yet. It was too soon. Yeah. Can I make a, a weird sort of uh, confession? You've never seen Network? Uh, not only have I never seen Network, but I always confuse in my head. This is going to sound totally stupid. Um, I always confuse Network and Nashville in my head. And I always what? think maybe That's... Network was directed by Altman and Nashville was directed by Sidney Lumet. Uh And <laughs> I, I know that doesn't That's make weird. any sense, but... Anytime Tony ins- brings up network, I think, oh, that was one of Robert oh, Altman's movie. Uh, I I don't know why. I guess because they both start with N. I, I, it's just a stupid thing that happens in my brain. That's so well, I don't, I don't imagine either one holds up. Like, is Nashville still any good? I, I've never seen Nashville. I've seen I, I, every time I think of when it, when you brought up network, I was like, oh yeah, that Robert Altman movie. And then you're like, oh, it's Cindy Lumet. I was right. like, what? Oh fuck. Really? I thought it was Robert Altman. Wait, he did Nashville. Wait, which one did Nashville? Uh, it's just a terrible thing that I do in my brain. Well, no, yeah, so I, I don't... Yeah, I don't... Kelly, have you seen Nashville recently? Yeah, it's pretty Altman-y. I mean, it's like all those other movies. But is it good? I mean, is it worth watching? Um, it's a big ensemble. I don't, I don't know. I, it was, was, was kind of like um, Child 44... Where I, I couldn't tell if it was me or the movie, but then by the end I went, it's probably me. But at the end of Nashville, I was kind of like, mm. like it's got like young Jeff Goldblum in it, and he's like a biker. Like there's like weird. It's kind of like Piranha. Like there's enough weird shit. Well, I, I think you would say that that Nashville is minor Altman. No, it's not considered minor Altman though. No, it's come on, digital. seriously, really? Yeah, I think by like. No. All right, maybe. And your Owen Gleiberman's, I think it's considered a major Altman, but you don't even. I mean, you don't like any Altman. Are you talking to me? Yeah. What? <laughs> are you talking to me? Were we talking about like MASH that. and you're like, yeah, MASH. I don't know MASH. I haven't seen MASH. I don't like the TV series MASH. That does nothing for me. I mean, I saw uh, MASH. We're talking about Loretta Sweat. That was what it was. You're talking about I don't like Altman. Altman's amazing. Like, I love Gosford Park. And So you you like Altman, but you haven't seen Nashville or MASH. Nashville. I haven't seen Nashville. I, I've seen Nashville <laughs> a long time ago, and I saw MASH a long time ago, but I haven't seen But you've seen both recently. of them. So you know Nashville... That's what I'm saying is I don't I, I would be surprised if that you know it's, it's just about it. the country music industry right? 
It's about the 70s and like there's a lot of sex hopping going right, on. Right, the context is like the only the only Altman I might have a problem with is Shortcuts because it's such a poor tribute to Raymond Carver. But as a, as a Robert as a Robert Altman movie, Shortcuts is fine. Um, what are you talking about? Uh, I don't like Robert Altman. I like Shortcuts as a Julianne Moore piece. I bet you do. All right, Dingus, what is your favorite newscast in Did you ever movie dumb? Okay. Did you ever see Robert Altman's like space movie that he made? What's his space movie? I don't know. It's like a it's like a '60s right stuff, but it's like a flight to the moon movie, like a science fiction movie. Mm, I don't know. Not that I know of. Doesn't ring. You have to tell me what it's called. It doesn't ring any bells. It's called uh, Jodorowsky's Dune. Damn it! Listen to him mispronounce. All right. Yeah, listen to me. All right. So my number one. Um, and this has, uh, this has newscasts shot through it. Uh, but it also, it, it sort of blends, uh, sports news and news. It makes, it makes sports into news, uh, but it, it, uh, I, I don't know how to say it, but anyway. Oh Dingus is gonna, you're gonna, oh god, Dingus is gonna pick a sports movie. Oh god. Uh, I'm certainly not. I'm going to, oh, I'm no. gonna pick a movie called Bananas. Um, because throughout the movie <laughs> Bananas, uh, sports? Anything, anything that's going on is is dealt with either Howard Cosell or this other awesome dude who's who's a real newscaster. Um, they're, they 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 newscast the uh, assassination of this this dictator in South America, and then at the end they wonderfully newscast um, the. Uh, the first time uh, a couple who have just been married <laughs> have sex. Um, but, uh, but for the choice of which one I'm going to go with, and it happens throughout Bananas, and, and, and the way that it's done is just freaking brilliant. Uh, um, I, I'm going to go ahead and choose the, the way that Howard Cosell has to go up and interview the dictator who has just been murdered. And he's like, do you have anything to say? And he like holds the microphone. Well, we're gonna go back to the studio. I mean, I just love the way Bananas does all of that stuff with newscasting. I mean, I just think that Bananas totally understands the idea well before, well before uh, we as an American society would start to meld the idea of sports and news as two as two things that were so important to our society that they both became actual news and and to the point that at the end sex is news um so that's that first thing uh, the first thing where where uh Howard Cassell is going up to interview the guy who has just been murdered all right a Woody Allen pick thanks I remember seeing Take the Buddy and Run, another Woody Allen movie, and thinking it was a real documentary because it's like told as like a fake documentary about. There's his a word for that, Kelly Wand. What? <laughs> Mockumentary. See? It's a true thing. I'm, it's a genre. It's a real genre, Kelly Wand. Look it up. I'm shocked to silence. Uh, the, re- the great thing in Take the Money and Run is, is when they're interviewing, the, uh, the, they're interviewing him in the. Uh, in the um, Prison? In the prison, so, and the reason we celebrate the Passover holidays, I love that that whole sequence. Oh, wait, what? What's the what's the punchline? It, it, it's just, you have to. It's a. It's kind of a visual. Oh, the reason we celebrate the Passover holidays by eating the matzah. I mean, it's great. It's just. A, I mean, I'm trying to convert gotcha. Tom. Uh, well, good luck. Into a Woody Allen fan. <laughs> uh, Dingus, what do the readers have to offer for their favorite newscasts? 
All right, so first we have uh, Arthur Joven- Joe Vanangeli. And, uh, oh, this is great. Okay, number three, Romeo and Juliet. Romeo plus Juliet, I should say. Uh, this 1996 adaptation opens and closes with newscasts. Uh, and this, uh, I'm so glad Arthur said this, because uh, the, the, the thing that uh, inspired this was The Gunman, uh, because it opened with a newscast, and I wanted to try to do that. So I'm so happy he opened with Romeo and Juliet. This is great. Because, uh, okay, let me just read what he says. I apologize. Uh, he just made, it is just very exciting to me. Uh, opens and closes with newscast. These moments are actually reasonably clever. Shame about the rest of the movie. Well, I disagree with you there, Arthur, because yeah. I think that, I think it's a really good movie. Um, and I love the way that the, that he decides, um, good lord, Baz Luhrmann, decides to do the, uh, the prologue of the movie as a newscast. That's a great idea. Two houses. I mean, that's how it starts, as a newscast. So it's great. I mean, and the rest of the movie, I think, is, is really good. I think it's very stylish. I think the actors are really up to it. Um, yeah, I really, really like Romeo Plus Juliet. I couldn't tell uh, if you were reading Arthur's email or if that was you. Sorry. Uh, the only thing that he said was the moments oh. are actually reasonably clever. Shame about the rest of them. Ah, right. And then I just went blah, 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 blah. Um, so uh, Arthur's number two. Uh, the game. Michael Douglas is watching the news. <laughs> Anchor starts directing snide comments. <laughs> That's a good one. Oh, that is a good one. And eventually begins having a conversation with him. Sandwiched in between Seven and Fight Club, I often forget that Fincher directed this movie. Uh, what's that dude's name who does the newscast? Because he's a real guy. Do you remember? Kent Shockley. It's Kent Shockley. Good. Yeah, that's a great one because the, cause the, the, the television screen kind of goes and, and, uh, and then he starts talking to him. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, and so Arthur's number one, Starship Troopers. This movie opens with a live news broadcast from Klendatu, the bug homeworld. And during this on-site report, the correspondent gets bitten in half by a bug. What's most chilling about this scene is are the reporter screams for help while he's in the bug's jaws. I love the scene and the way it toys with the idea of live TV going horribly wrong. The cameraman just keeps filming it, too, and then he gets eaten, which I also enjoyed. Oh, the camera get, cameraman gets eaten? Yeah, he films the guy getting eaten, like, right close up, and then he gets chopped up. <laughs> I don't remember that. While they're All going, right. get out of here, you're not safe! Uh, <laughs> the next one is from Paul Weimer. Favorite newscasts and movies. Oh. Number three, In the Mouth of Madness. Early in the movie, Mm. we get a newscast that helps set the scene of this world, where horror writer Sutter Kane... Oh, God. (laughs) What's wrong, Tom? I like this movie. That name, name, Sutter Kane. I support... Yeah. Nobody has the name Sutter Kane. Fake name. No. It's Stephen King, but he's German Brock now. And this this is what Paul says. Sutter Kane, more popular than Stephen King, writes work that is driving people crazy. It's the entree into the coming apocalypse for the protagonist and the world. The movie also peppers itself with bits of newscast updates as things continue to descend into madness. Sutter. So he interviews that guy whose eyes have burned out from reading it because it's so scary. Sutter. Tom. Have you guys seen that? I've never so. seen In the Mountain of Madness. Yeah. It's Fuck yeah. Minor Carpenter. I like that. I like 
Yeah, there's some good shit on it. I like that guy, the kid riding the bike till his hair turns white. Remember that dude? It's he's no, trying to get to the phone booth. It's no Prince of Darkness. I know Prince Darkness is pretty cool. Yeah. I agree with that. No, that's that's even more minor king, uh, minor carpenter. Haha, <laughs> you said minor <sighs> king. <laughs> All king is minor. Cooper. Ooh, ouch! Sick burn. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Jesus. Paul Weimer's. Sorry, Paul. Paul Weimer's number two. In They Live, the network newscast we see being broadcast at the end of the movie, when Roddy Piper has destroyed the signal and unmasked the aliens, devolves into people panicking and running away from the newscasters who don't immediately realize the gig is outed. up. That's weird, though, because it's on TV, but that means the sunglasses are off. The Right, okay, I see. Makes sense. Good point, uh, Paul. Thank you. Paul Weimer's number one in Gremlins 2. We get to see the, quote, end of the world, unquote, tape that Clamp Cable Network is thinking of playing in case the Gremlins do wind up destroying civilization. The recorded end message newscast even plays Nearer My God to Thee, the song played by the band on the Titanic as it sunk. Did you guys see Gremlins 2 New Batch, either of you? Please, everyone's seen that. I'm going to say no. No, Dingus surely you've seen the second Gremlins. It's the one with Leonard Malton. Leonard Malton is in it. Which one is the one where she describes the dad that's the first chimney? That's, that's uh, Gremlins one. That's the first well, I've one. never seen the, number, the second one. Oh, I assumed everyone had seen that. Who plays Trump in a... Who's the Trump guy? Clempt. What's his name, Tom? Since you've seen the movie. I, no, I, I don't remember it, but I've definitely seen it. Uh, is it Joe Dunn? Couldn't tell you. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. All right, next we have Chris Markinson. Hey, guys. <laughs> of course, the best newscast ever is Les Nesman reporting on the WKRP turkey drop. Not a movie. But since that's a TV show, I guess it's disqualified. My three picks are, number three, three years is a long haul. Without trying to spoil anything, at the end of Moon, there's a series of, I'm assuming, radio signals that are picked up that give some idea of how the story is going to progress beyond the movie. So, uh, this is awesome. I didn't even think that he was going to do this. This is me talking now, not Chris. Um, in the thread on the front page, Chris called me out and said, um, you said news reports and newscasts. Did you make specific that it was TV or can it be radio? Uh, I don't think I made specific that it was TV. So, I allowed that somebody could use a radio thing. So these are radio signals that are coming in at the end of the movie Moon. Well, they could just be the audio feed from TV casts, too, couldn't they? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And they probably are. Um, What's going to talk radio? (laughs) Number two. Let me put it this way, Mr. Armour. In 2001, Dave Bowman and Frank Poole each have a meal and watch BBC's 12... BBC 12's The World Tonight, which has an interview with the two astronauts and Hal. It's a great newscast, not just because it gives us another chance to listen to Hal speak. I'm sorry, not just not just because it gives us another chance to listen to Hal speak, but the newscast is so ominous when you watch it the second time and know what is going to happen. I, Dude, I... I don't even know what he's talking about, but it sounds awesome. Wait, a newscast in 2001? Yeah, it's it's Hal being interviewed. Totally don't remember that. Yeah, and, it's the, and Bowman and Poole are watching it. 
I don't remember it being ominous, but I haven't seen it in a while. But uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's Sorry, a great okay, pull. I do oh, yeah, but I guess ominous because you know how it's going to turn out. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah, exactly. know that Cooper. They're interviewing Hal on the. Yeah, 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 and I yeah. kind of, I kind of vaguely remember it now. I remember Hal giving answers. Fuck. Yeah. Kerry, when you should see that movie sometime. You might like it. Yeah, I came back during the waterboarding scene. I was really confused. Computers cannot waterboard themselves. Number one, I'd like to think <laughs> you're seeing me. You are having the worst day of your life. Oh, all right, Chris, once again. Uh, the KWLA, KWLA broadcast of the aftermath of a triple homicide in Nightcrawler is my favorite newscast. Uh-huh. Real life anchors Lisa Mays and Ben Waterman oh, wow. uh, describe the scene where all footage of the house and bodies are shown, and every so often, Rene Russo interjects for the anchors to hit or repeat a certain phrase, hard. Harder oh, yeah, in order yeah. to increase the horror of what has transpired. That was cool. Yeah. So did I get the names of the newscasters wrong? You you have to take that up with Chris Markinson. All right. I but I did like that interactive nature, like where she's kind of shaping what these anchors are doing uh, behind the scenes to to tailor the story. Uh, I did like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that too. Uh, the nerds. That was awesome, Chris. Um, and next we no have said somebody named Dave Perkins. Uh, <laughs> I have only one newscast to offer. I'm afraid. Uh, sorry, I'm afraid. I have only one newscast to offer. I'm afraid. Love the topic though, and I love the newscast in Nightcrawler when the footage from the violent drug deal is shown, and we get to hear the producer saying stuff in the background like, "Okay, here comes the crib. Build up the tension," and then five or ten seconds later, <laughs> the anchors reflect her wishes. It was really well done. Dave Perkins just copied that from Chris Markinson. He did. Oh, my God. Dave, do your own work. Quit copying someone else's work. Come on, Dave. What's wrong with you? Wait, they say that line, build up the tension, is like a camera cue. Yeah. That is good. Uh, Next, we have Nick D. Hi, guys. Number three, Airplane. When news of the crashing airplane breaks, we see a variety of newscasts reporting on the impending disaster, with newsmen being handed a breaking news bulletin from off-screen. The newscast ends with some sort of South Pacific native man banging on a drum with sticks, which is interrupted when from off-camera someone hands him a new set of sticks. <laughs> Why is that so good? I know. So when when he says airplane, I immediately my reactions. I roll my eyes. I'm like, okay, some sucker brother. But as Ding describes, no, no. But as Ding describes it, just reading it from from Nick's email, I'm like, okay, that is good. Same thing. You I say, let him crash. We, Everything's good for you. We then cut the camera too, and then Dave turns to face it and starts banging on a new drum. <laughs> that's good that's how it's yeah. done yeah. Yeah. <laughs> see alright Nick <laughs> all I could when I thought of airplane as a possible runner up is just the reporters running into a booth and then it all falling over but I forgot the, the drum right. see now that's the easy joke and airplane is not above that sort of thing but then that bit about the, the drums and the new sticks that's hilarious that's inspired yeah and not just the wait sticks. which one's the easy one they move it to they move it to the next level of now we're going to turn to another camera right right exactly <laughs> yeah. oh Nick that was awesome 
That was his number three, or that he that, just that's brought number three. three? Yeah. All right, he's got two better than that. Awesome. <laughs> when airplanes number, are number three, number two, JFK. <laughs> Early on, <laughs> Kevin Costner watches as Lee Harvey Oswald is brought out on the news and shot in public. I love the horrified reaction of him and his staff as they watch the news together. And Every the, time he watches you, someone's get shot at it. Stop watching the news. Number one, Nick. Oh okay. man, this is this is perfect. God damn it, Nick. This is great. All right, Nick's number one. I am legend. The movie opens with a newscast where a medical reporter interviews Emma Thompson about how she cured cancer by genetically engineering the measles virus. Cutting to the abandoned streets of New York three years later, we realize that something has gone horribly wrong. It's a nice way to deliver some exposition without things feeling ham-handed. Cheers, Nick. Uh, yeah, that that opening scene and, and that moment and Emma Thompson, you're like, why is Emma Thompson this? Yeah. But the way she just handles that one pause where the, the reporter asks her, have you cured hans- cancer? And she kind of goes, no, yes I have. I mean, it's this great pause. Uh, yeah, that's a good one, Nick. Oh, well done. Damn, damn well done. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that's it. So, so I want. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Well, runners up. Are we doing? Did, yeah. yeah. Let's let's do some runners up. So I wanted to work in because I do feel that network is a is a classic story about news, but it's not really relevant anymore. As I said, it's both prescient and dated. Uh, something that I don't think is dated. It's about news in an earlier time. That I think they did a great job making it relevant today. Uh, is Good Night and Good Luck, which I haven't seen since I it thought, came out, wow. but I couldn't. So I didn't get a chance to watch it again, and I couldn't think of a specific newscast from the movie. Um, but I did want to uh, just uh, send out, you know, a shout out. But that was a newscast, up. though, right? Like, but it was about the impact of the news and media. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh. And the responsibility or lack thereof, you know, Edward Amaro's, yeah. uh, the, you know, his response to the McCarthy trials, um, like all of that. I think uh, George Clooney and Grant Heslov managed to make relevant to. You know, it was kind of, I think, a lot about the Bush administration, even though it wasn't specifically about the Bush administration. Um, you know, I, I wanted to pick that, but I, I didn't get a chance to watch it and couldn't think of a specific newscast. Just kept it. with that dude talk, too. That's pretty hard. Yeah, no, David Strathern is great in that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, are there runners up? Uh, my, my only, I only have one, and that it really is the... Um, uh, the Helsinki syndrome from Die Hard. <laughs> right. Yeah, I thought of that one too, Diggis. Where oh, Atherton getting pwned. Yeah. 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 They stopped, like, after that, they never did, like, the, none of the other Die Hard movies have news in them either. Like, that character kind of got dropped after Die Hard 2. Well, it's not William Atherton. It's like, actually them in the studio with the, the expert right, right, yeah, yeah. Who's, who's talking about uh, what, what happens in a, a hostage situation. And oh. That, that thing where... Yeah. Where networks are like, we're, we have to fill time. And he's like, well, what is happening now is that the hostages are learning to, and it's the Helsinki, as in Helsinki, Sweden. Wait, uh, who's William Atherton in that? William he's Atherton is the guy who's on the street. But right. before he goes out, he says, eat it, Harvey, and he leaves. Uh, and Harvey oh, is the Harvey. guy who... So it's the anchor. Atherton's the reporter, and it's the anchor yeah. that's pwned with the Helsinki, Sweden thing. Okay. Right. Exactly, yeah. But it's got those wacky jokes in it, though. Is it a joke that too that uh, William Atherton he's like a course like he's a correspondent and it's just a vocal feed and they put up a dopey picture of him like with his jaw with his mouth open or something? 
Yeah, you're right. There's a gag about that where Ather takes his phone, which is pretty funny. Yeah. Well, my favorite on the movie is is that when they're in the studio and they're they're getting this expert to tell them something, and the the news anchor goes, "As in Helsinki." Right. Right. So yeah. So the joke, just to make sure for my own geographical edification, Helsinki is in Finland, but the dude says it's in Sweden. Am I right? Yeah. I'm gonna say yes. Okay. The audience for Die Hard knows that, and the producer of the new show knows it. So you're dumber than. No, I knew it. I just said it right. But you Pardon. said it like yeah, you had to clarify. Harvey, it. Harvey, whatever his name is, says, as in Helsinki. <laughs> and the, and it did get a laugh, though, I remember. Yeah. I thought it was funny. But it was a great gag, yeah. Because it's, yeah, it's, it's an irrelevant piece of information, and. Um, but wait, it's Stockholm Syndrome. Wait, I'm com- completely confused now. No, they're messing around. He says he calls it Helsinki syndrome, and, and they're parodying. So not only do they get the name of the syndrome wrong, they get wrong what country the incorrect name is in. Still well, smarter than anything in Die Hard Five. Well, they well they can't very well talk about Helsinki syndrome without paying some sort of a royalty. Please, there's no such thing as a, it's talk. Okay, whatever. Anyway, you know the, uh, what we've just discovered is that Die Hard is far too clever for me. Yeah, fair. Yeah, I know. All right, Kelly, uh, what the heck? Kelly, you said you had a bunch of runners up. So what else do you got for us? Uh, I like in my favorite Martian when Elizabeth Hurley is. Not a movie. Uh, oh, oh, the, oh! You're tired. I thought you were talking <laughs> about the TV show. Okay. So. <laughs> Elizabeth Hurley some physical comedy because she's turning into Christopher Lloyd's Martian, and then but she's on and Jeff Daniels is like taking gum out of her mouth because he's like hiding under the thing. He's doing like what's his name. Uh, George Clooney from Good Night, Good Luck, and Elizabeth Hurley's the David Strait there. That one's good. Also, um, Weather Woman. Uh, it's a Japanese movie. <laughs> no, it's not. There's, no, there's, no, there's not a thing called Weather Woman. Stop. This chick show, she flashes. She's like a Weather Woman. She flashes her panties during the weather and then makes her famous. And then at the end, she has like a war with another Weather Woman, like using actual weather. Like she calls lightning and shit. And that was kind of good. And also, um, Aaron Vaughn sent me a, a mockumentary horror thing called WNUF about a fake newscast. That's like um, they go to a haunted house and then uh, some Satanist attack. Well, if you're going to bring up weather, I'm just going to bring up L.A. Story then. Yeah, exactly. The Steve Martin gag. Yeah. With, <sighs> with Harris Telemacher and the serious names. Nobody's named Harris Telemacher. What the heck is that, Dingus? The noity noity. <laughs> Who's Harris? What, what is Harris Telemacher? Harris Telemacher. That's his name in uh, in L.A. In Story. LA stories. Oh my God, that's awesome. Jesus. <laughs> LA stories. Uh, so here's one that I wanted to use, and it's still a great scene, but unfortunately it's not a newscast. And I misremembered. I was hoping Kelly Wand would bring this up, and I could pwn him the same way William Atherton gets pwned and dies. There's Martin. no news in Zapped. But, Kelly Wand, you didn't bring up the opening of Dawn of the Dead. Oh, that's a good one. But it's not a good one because, unfortunately, I went back and watched that as well. It's not a newscast. It's a freaking talk show. So sure. Dawn of the Dead, the George Romero sequel to Night of the Living Dead, uh, opens with um, a, a TV studio. So it, the the scene has two purposes. It's to show the uh, the gradual, uh, the spiraling chaos of this zombie apocalypse. Um, and it's also to present the audience with information about you know what zombies are, how they work, because back then 
this was a new genre. You know, people didn't know. You know, George Romero had to do world building right up front. He had to establish the rules. Um, so you've got what's not a newscast. It's instead a talk show where a talk show host has a scientific expert on. And the, the scientific expert is talking about, uh, you know, yes, the dead are coming back to life. You have to shoot them in the head. You have to burn the bodies. Um, you know, you, you must get to a rescue station. This is dire. And the talk show host is like, come on, this is ridiculous. This can't be true. Uh, and while they're doing this live cast uh, in the studio, uh, there's just uh, – there's chaos happening as people are leaving, as they're getting phone calls about what's happening, uh, as they realize that these rescue stations are being overrun. Um, it's just a great instance of showing the chaos that's happening and the exposition basically. Uh, there's uh, lots of newscasts in Night of the Living Dead. Well, there's, yeah, yeah, there's yeah, long yeah. stretches of, uh, and it's ridiculous too, of just stuff that George Romero shot that he, he used wrote. in the guise of a newscast. Like a long stretch of like two actors, or I guess three, uh, one like one's in a military uniform, and they're just walking down the street, and there's supposedly a gaggle of reporters, which is like another three or four actors, uh, following them along, asking them questions. Uh, and Romero shot that, and it's and it's just a raw feed of people watching TV during the movie Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, but then there's also that studio stuff that's read where the guy is just uh, you know sitting there reading into the camera. Isn't there a newscast though where they shoot the zombies like the the Hicks are shooting the zombies on the news? Like well, there's yeah yeah that's definitely part of that newscast in Night of the Living Dead is they talk to the local forces who are taking out the zombies. Um, in the, Zack, in the Zack Snyder remake of uh, – well, not even remake. It's a, kind of a reboot or whatever of uh, Dawn of the Dead. They have Tom Savini playing a sheriff talking about you know shooting the zombies. Um, and that's actually an extra in the, the DVD for Zack Snyder's Night of, or Dawn of the Dead. Uh, it's like a 30-minute news sequence mm-hmm. um, with a guy just reading the news about this. I think it, it's kind of a nod to the stuff from Night of the Living Dead. Where it's just a, a guy reading the news. Uh, every now and then it flashes. You know, there's a little title card that says, you know, 16 hours later. You know, 25 hours later. Uh, and the anchor is just getting increasingly exhausted. The stories that are coming in are getting increasingly dire. Uh, sort of like a mini movie as a newscast. I like that I live in a newscast in hindsight because it's like they're the vibe is like, yeah, we're not too worried about the zombies. Like, we got this. It's not that big a deal. But so then later on, if you watch, if like the if the other movies are part of the pantheon, then it's like, oh, those are the newscasts back when times were good. So it's, it's like the deterioration of the news. It's also kind of cool in that it happens. It's part of what it, it's it's it, like a life. Part of the genius of the movie is it's a way of getting you into the mindset of the characters in the movie because the characters in the movie encounter zombies and stuff that's happening. There's even this narrative shift where who you think is going to be the main character, she becomes catatonic and she basically drops out of the movie and the protagonist shifts to a new character. They meet new characters and then at one point they find and turn on a TV and instead of watching the movie, you know, we're not watching them watching TV – George Romero just shows us what they're watching on TV for like yeah. 20 minutes. Uh, <laughs> but that's what you do, though. No, I know. I kind of love that. Is you know, it, it, it to get into the mindset of these protagonists, they're just going to sit yeah. there and watch the TV and learn about what the hell is going on. And he doesn't just cut to the highlights of what they watch. He gives us all of what they're watching. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Yeah. Zombies? Uh, that's probably something about them on TV. That is it's kind like, of an yeah. interesting dichotomy of 
of whether the filmmaker is showing us information or them information with the newscast. Is it, are the are the characters learning something with the newscast, or is it just them doing uh, a little bit of we're going to tell you what's going on in right. the movie? Right. Yeah. And actually, the, this reminds me, and I totally forgot this. Uh, I started this topic a long time before Gunman, and I forgot this until you got you started talking about uh, Night of the Living Dead. Um, I I the first time I had an idea for this topic was after watching the movie Atlantic City a couple of years ago. Um, because there's a really great uh there's a really great newscast in that and it's a really old school newscast saying what has gone on in this crime that happened in the city. Um uh, and I just I until you have you guys seen Atlantic City? Gosh, not in forever. I, I, I do remember Susan Sarandon rubbing lemon on her breasts. But oh, beyond yeah, yeah. that Yeah, yeah, she's Wait, that's last tango. No, no. No, that's uh, butter, Kelly Wong. That, that's not her breast. That's that's a butter. Uh, so did, tell us about Atlantic City. Like that's a, wasn't it like Richard? No, uh, not Richard Burton. Uh, Burt Lancaster. It's Burt Lancaster and Susan Sarandon. I think it's Louis Malle who directed it. Oh. Um, and there's this great thing that happens once the once the once the once everything's starting to fall apart and they and they're on the run. And I don't really remember. I've only seen Atlantic City one time, and it was a couple of years ago. I don't even remember why I saw it. Um, uh, Probably but, the lemons. but I remember them. I remember somebody sitting in front of an old TV and seeing this great old newscast about this this couple or or somebody who's on the lamb and or or something like that. And I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, I love this newscast. And I also remember you, Tom, having said when when I'm bored, I look at the background of like what's going on on the TV screens, and th- and me thinking this is such a great example of something that deserves to be in the foreground of a really good movie. Uh, and and I, I apologize. For not knowing more about this, but you t- you guys talking about Night of the Living Dead reminded me of Atlantic City. Uh, I also love in uh, movies looking at uh, like when they show you a newspaper headline, like looking at what the other headlines are on the yeah. newspaper. Uh, <laughs> plus, I also love so I I uh, have uh, not a background in journalism, but you know I've I've worked on like student papers and stuff. Uh, it is always amazing to me how in a movie when they will show you a newspaper headline, how the people who mock that up know absolutely nothing about the rules of a newspaper layout. You know, they'll just splash a headline in the completely wrong place. You know, you never have one headline above another headline like they can't touch. Uh, people who make mock-ups for movie newspapers, what the hell? They don't know what they're doing. It makes no sense. Uh, Wait, but they don't want to – it's not a real newspaper, so it's kind right, of like but you want to make it look favorite. like a real newspaper. Like if you've ever, you know, what? it's kind of like the same thing about people who know about computers or guns, or you know, they'll they'll look at the way they're yeah. done in movies and they'll go, "That's not realistic." I have that same stupid thing with newspaper layouts. Um, uh, Alexander Payne, when he was filming Election, he wrote the entire news story that's like under one of the headlines because he says that no one ever writes. They always oh, right. like kind of half-ass that. So. But nowadays, yeah, people can freeze the frame and see what's down there and know right. that. Right, right, right. So this isn't a movie, but just to quickly uh, nod to, um, there's a, a computer game called Grand Theft Auto V, which was just released <laughs> for, the, for the PC. Uh, and it has an online component where you're just in an open city and you can do different missions and you can buy properties, like you, you buy an apartment or whatever. Uh, and when you're playing online... There's also other people playing in the same city, doing missions and whatnot, and running around. Uh, if you go into an apartment that you own, into your house, and you turn on the TV, 
uh, Grand Theft Auto V, like many games that have these open worlds, there's a lot of actual TV you can watch. You know, the developers at Rockstar made some animated series, and they're actually movie theaters in, in this fake city. You can go to a movie theater and watch these fake movies that they've created. Um, but when you turn on your TV in Grand Theft Auto V online, one of the channels will always have a newscast about whatever player on your server currently has the highest wanted level on the police, with the police. Like whoever's running around killing pedestrians or, or escaping from the cops. Uh, and it's always represented as a newscast. Like with a crawl mm. along the bottom, it's like a helicopter shot. and you're it's like watching, a leaderboard. It's kind of like a leaderboard, and you're watching their car drive around the city. And it, it, yeah, it's like, a, it's like a newscast following a high-speed police pursuit. Um, mm. I always thought so, that was a pretty clever conceit. Yeah. So it turns us into the Nightcrawler uh, audience. Uh, or you could be, if you're the one wreaking havoc, there could be people watching. You're the Nightcrawler. Yeah. All right, so Kelly Wand, why don't you give folks a 3 by 3 for next week and tell them how they can participate? Oh, uh, okay, so I'm reading this book by Stephen Pressfield called The Afghan Campaign. So it's like about the Macedonians invading Afghanistan under Alexander the Great. And um, there's this one part where they're crossing a desert and one of the new recruits gets out of line to pee, and then the sergeant's like, oh, if you have any of that in you, you're just not trekking hard enough. So it's like three best uses of pee. Hmm. Uh, Dingus, have we done this one? Uh, I don't think we have, although I have, I've already got my number one. All right, so to speak. Uh, all right. Well, uh, Kelly, one go on. How can how can listeners participate? If you want to participate in the P topic for three by three at quarter to three, then you write it to three by three. Yeah, email to three x three at quarter to three dot com, and then that's about all. All right. And next week we will be seeing David Cronenberg's latest movie, uh, which was just released on DVD. Uh, did this even? I, surely it had a theatrical release, and we it's just a slow week. Yeah, we didn't want to see the thing where Harrison Ford ages backwards or whatever the heck that is. Um, and we're oh, certainly not going to see. We're certainly not going to see Paul Blart Mall Cop Two. So we're going to rent a DVD and watch Map to the Stars, David Cronenberg's latest movie. Uh, watch it and join us uh, for that next week. And then afterwards, we will uh, do a three-by-three, apparently, on peeing. How about that? Uh, I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by uh, Christian – oh, wait. I wrote how to pronounce your name down up here. Christian Murinsky. It's Christian Murawski. That's what I just said, I guess. Uh, And we also had with us tonight Kelly Wand. Didn't they do that with stock market crashing? Stock market – I love this song. Flew in from Miami Beach, me away, sleep. Didn't get to bed last night. On the way to paperback was on my knee. Man, I had a dreadful fight. I'm back in the USSR. I, I guess the idea is they're touring, maybe? And they're reading. They're like like paperback writer. Yeah. Huh. I guess. Oh. It's like another pop song about life on the road, I guess? I don't know. Who can figure out the Beatles? Not me. They toured Russia? I guess so. Twice. Yeah.
Tom, on the Beatles tour, their whole concerts were like 20 minutes long. This is not the work of some average idiot. That's a good point. 